This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. Welcome into a Friday edition. It's our Dr. Christopher Mullinex Championship Drive. Mark Heim and Lee Shervanian with you for the next three hours. We're in Air Sports One. Lee, we're on the campus of Spanish Fort. I don't know why I say it like I'm telling you. I'm, you're, you're, you're pretty obvious you know where we are because you drove yourself here. Uh, but it's sports radio. You guys need to jump in at 694-1055. Hit us up in the app. Crazy, crazy madness last night Lee Mark the only hope for the SEC is Alabama to win it all now as Tennessee and Arkansas went down and I, I will be you know up front I said I was looking forward to the Arkansas Connecticut game to be honest I yeah. didn't stay with it too long I went right back to Kansas State and Michigan State which arguably could be the best game played we don't know what's going to happen tonight or in the uh, elite eight games but it's going to be tough to match the competition between Kansas State and Michigan State. And is there anything better than a college basketball player? And, and to be frank about it, you know, two weeks ago, uh, Marcus Noel and the uh, player for Gonzaga, who was overshadowed by Timmy uh, Strother, they weren't exactly household names. In fact, there are very few college basketball players out there that are household names. Brandon Miller would be one. Timmy certainly would be another. But unless you're really a, uh, a basketball uh, junkie, you probably do not know many of those players. And I'll be honest with you, I had seen Kansas State play. I knew about Keontae Johnson, the former Florida player who had that uh, heart uh, condition and, and had to sit out a year, or that medical procedure, I'll say, and had to sit out a year after collapsing. But other than that, I had only seen them play once. And I, until last week, and I mentioned this to you, Mark, about Noel and, and what an exciting guy he is. And I'm telling you, if we had a pickup game, he'd be my first pick. They list him at 5'8". He's probably around 5'7". He may be the shortest uh, point guard in Power 5 in uh, college basketball. But he returned home. They had the tournament game at Madison Square Garden. He's from Harlem. He returned home and had a historic night. He had 20 points. He had 19 assists, which is a new NCAA record. And, Mark, he had five steals. His fifth steal came when Michigan State was trying to set up for a game-tying three-pointer in overtime. And he stripped the ball away. I didn't know if they're going to call a foul or what. He strips the ball away and then goes in and, and scores the layup, which he didn't really have to. He could have just dribbled out, but he scored the layup with no time remaining. Now, he did take some ill-advised shots, some deep, deep threes at times. And I'm like, what are you doing? But, my gosh, the guy just dominated the game. All of this after rolling his ankle. K-State moves on to the Elite Eight. Michigan State is out. Overtime game, fantastic stuff. And then the nightcap game, the second game out in Vegas, Strother, who is from Vegas and wasn't shooting well at all, hits a deep three. Mark, did you see that? You, did you get home time to yeah. see that with about, yeah. what, seven seconds to go? Well, you, you buried the lead on uh, Marcus now, though. Now the, uh, the ill-advised go against the coach, wave the coach's play off, say, you know what, never mind, I'm going to go do my thing. 
dude launches a basically a half court alley oop that goes absolutely viral. Uh, you can see there's video of him getting this play from coach, and he just waved him off. He's like, uh, blank that, I'm going to do me. And dude launches just a dot at the goal and, and gets uh, – um, and, and that that was with 58 seconds left to give them a two-point lead. Uh, it was absolutely unreal. Well, I'll say this. Uh, in my dealings over the years with uh, guards from New York, they do have an attitude, and they do – and I know this – he kind of reminds me a little bit about Dion Merritt from New York, who played at South Alabama and was on that uh, team that went to the NCAA tournament up in Birmingham against Butler. They have an attitude, and they have a way about it, Mark, that they, they feel they know how the game should be played. And I know if you talk to Ronnie Arrow, and many times he told me they, there was a little bit of uh, you know friction between him and, and his point guard now and then. And, you know, basically while that game was – the highlight of two teams that just couldn't miss and doing everything right. Both UCLA and Gonzaga were basically trying to give that game away. Uh, at the end, that one was just anarchy at the end. Uh, Gonzaga, um, I think UCLA scored like 12 straight points. or It was like a 12-2 run to get back in the game. Gonzaga was awful. I mean, absolutely atrocious from the free throw line. Timmy missed two. I mean, they just weren't good at all. They started, uh, I think it was UCLA that started fouling uh, too early, which actually worked because Gonzaga couldn't couldn't hit. But I, I think both teams thought they were going to win that game, and then both teams thought they were going to lose that game, and then Gonzaga hits just a monster three. I mean, it's really, it's last night was really about, at least with those two games, what, what, the NCAA tournament is really all Yeah, about. see, in the first game, it was a very smooth game. Kansas State, Michigan State, uh, there were no bump, no uh, ebb flows back and forth. Uh, the biggest lead was eight points at one time. I think there were like 12 uh, lead changes uh, prior to overtime. There were 11 ties. Both teams were fantastic offensively. The Gonzaga-UCLA game was up and down, ebbs and flows. Uh, UCLA had a 20-point lead in the first half. They led by 13 at the half. Gonzaga battles back when you didn't think they'd even be around. They battle back, take the lead by 10 with about 2.30 remaining. UCLA comes back, takes the lead. And then Strother, who is from Vegas, by the way, and it only hit like four out of 14 of his shots leading up to that, takes a deep three reminiscent of Jenkins of Villanova back when when they won the NCAA tournament on the final shot of the game or at least the final basket of the game. But he hits this deep three. Then he gets fouled, hits that, and then UCLA misses what potentially was a uh, a game-tying three, but, you know, to no avail. But two fantastic games. Unfortunately for Arkansas, they never led Mark. Totally out of it. Connecticut just overwhelmed them. Right now, I, I think it'd be safe to say that Connecticut may be playing as well as anybody in the NCAA tournament. Of course, that can change in their next game. And, of course, in Tennessee and Knoxville, the storyline is Rick Farns once again failing to get his team into the Elite Eight. Yeah, well, all this talk about dirty play and how uh... – they're a dirty team, and then what happens is one of those guys got called for a real controversial flagrant foul. Uh, it was certainly the, the beginning of the end of that, that run there at Tennessee. So, yeah, I'm like you. UConn-Arkansas was one I was really looking forward to. It wound up being the dud of the day. 
On the bright side, Barry Dunning got in and got four points, including a dunk. So. I saw him. I saw him get his dunk. Yeah, how, about how about that? that? Yeah, and and that tells you how one sided that game was. <laughs> yeah. And here's the other thing. You know, they have. I think it was CBS. They put up the the, the good and the bad. That uh, because of that overwhelming loss, Eric Musselman did not remove his shirt. So they were happy about that. Uh, so, yeah, you guys want to get in on the uh, March Madness in the NCAA tournament. There are four more games uh, tonight, including Alabama, uh, San Diego State. In fact, uh, Alabama's the first game on the docket uh, tonight. That will be at 5.30. Our coverage, I believe, starts at 4.30 here on WNSP. So, uh, you know, four-and-a-half-day work week for for Bronner and Corey Labounty, but that's okay. Uh, they're more pressing. They're poor, more pressing matters in the final drive today, so you can hear that uh, right here on the Sports Station WNSP. And after that, Mark, we'll pick up the uh, other action that's going on. You'll probably get a lot of the Texas Xavier late game and uh, Houston uh, in their game tonight. So, yeah, they're and Houston Miami, which has the makings of a, a good ball game and. Hopefully the Alabama won't run into the pitfalls that uh, Tennessee and Arkansas did, and, and obviously Alabama goes into there as a, I wouldn't say a heavy favorite, but certainly as the favorite. Uh, quickly, I uh, want to mention Alabama's pro day yesterday. Uh, all indications are that uh, most feedback was that Bryce Young was, was as efficient uh, and got everything done that he needed to get done. I thought Nick Saban's comment about his height was pretty clever. I don't know if you saw it, Lee. He was asked whether or not that was a concern, and his reply was essentially, uh, well, you might want to ask the guys that played against him what they thought about his height. Uh, so I thought all went well with that. Um, he's obviously on the radar of every major team. Nick Saban said any team that's within a draftable reach of Bryce Young has talked to Nick Saban. He kind of admitted that during the broadcast. Uh, and Nick Saban and Nate Oates assure us that there's no bad blood, there's no ill will. Nick Saban says he doesn't even watch. It was it was one of the first questions asked of Nick Saban by reporters uh, if if his comment about wrong place, wrong time was indeed uh, directed at Nate Oates in the basketball program. His reply was, "Man, I don't even watch basketball press conferences." So uh, Nick, Nate Oates was asked about it up there in Louisville. He gave a similar answer. So apparently all is well in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, Nick's comment basically was uh, that anything he said was directed at his own program. Uh, it was unintentional if anybody wanted to try to string it along with basketball. And Nate Oates went on to describe Nick as the great coach he is and uh, certainly not offended by any comments he made. So apparently they had talked before that, I'm sure. I know they had. I know they had already talked about it. So apparently that's uh, water under the dam right now, and I, I wouldn't think that would be an issue going into tonight's game. Uh, Nate's got other things to worry about, such as San Diego State. But I got to tell you, last night, that Kansas State-Michigan State game was one for the books, and terrific play, offense. You know, they talk about, Teams that, you know, aren't shooting well and missing threes and all that. Well, that wasn't the case in the game that I saw last night. The offense was outstanding. Guys were making three-point shots. Guys were making plays. Uh, both teams, a lot of credit to Michigan State for hanging tough. You know, the thing about UCLA, Mark, they were missing their starting center and also their best defensive player, and yet it looked like they had that game won until 
basically the uh, to the end of the game because they had a huge lead in the first half. They really they really kind of took it to the Gonzaga and. Those Gonzaga-UCLA games, there's only been a few, but it seems like every time they play, they are fantastic games to, right to the end. Well, you know, it was it was very bizarre because I thought it was going to be a major point in the game or that it was going to be a major talking point today, and as it turned out, it, 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 it was kind of irrelevant. But UCLA was down three, Lee, with 40 seconds to go, 40-plus seconds. There's a little bit more than 40 seconds. And they started fouling to, prolong, you know, extend the game. And I thought it was really premature for them to start fouling because they were only down one possession with 40 seconds left. Uh, but as it turned out, they clearly knew something more than I did because Gonzaga could not make a free throw. And they ultimately got back into it and tied it up because Timmy missed the two free throws. But I kind of circled that point as like, man, we need to come back to this because this could be really the difference in the game, the fact that it was a strategic error. Because you don't want to be extending the game, you know, in a one-possession game. And uh, as it turned out, man, it, it was the right call. But, damn, it didn't seem like either one of those teams wanted to win the game last night. And uh, and, and Gonzaga just hits that big three. I mean, it was really uh, a tale of two different games about how those two were played. But, look, kudos uh, to Noel uh, because we often sit here and talk about guys that score. But I guarantee it's harder to get, you know, 19 assists than it is 20 or 21 points. And and that alley-oop, dude, was just, that was that well, was bonkers. Having done games in Madison Square Garden, and this goes way back, and seeing how easily they hand out assists, his assists were well-earned. He had some tremendous passes in the lane. It was his last 19th assist that set up his teammate in the corner for the final basket that gave him the three-point lead, and then they eventually won by five. But uh, the narrative also with that game, as you pointed out with Gonzaga and UCLA, do we foul? Michigan State called a timeout. They had the ball, and they're down by three. Does Kansas State foul? And then, of course, they talked a lot about, well, you have to know when to foul. You don't want to foul him when he's going up for a three-pointer. And then as that's going on, Walker, there was a little, I guess, miscommunication. Michigan State had a couple guys there. I didn't know who was going to take the shot. And as Walker seemed to be getting the ball up in the air, Noel, Noel just stripped it away from them. Yeah. They never even it, got the shot. As, as good as that game was, and as well as each of those teams played, that last kind of offensive set for them wasn't very good. Like it wasn't. It just it was clunky. It just never really had a shot of working. So, uh, bunch of storylines throughout the course of yesterday that uh, you can chime in on. Get us in the app at wnsp.com. So we're at Spanish Ford High School. It's our doctor. Christopher Monex Championship Drive. We're going to talk to a number of uh, coaches here at. Uh Jerome Tang sets it up going for the line. Three. Thanks for making us part of your morning. It's the Dr. Christopher Monex Championship Drive. Mark and Lee in Air Sports One. We're on the campus of Spanish Fort. Uh, some of our sponsors, I do want to thank Grizz Marketing, Cash Saver, Will Barnes and the Barnes family at McDonald's Restaurants, Beef O'Brady's uh, over in Tillman's Corner, Rich's Car Wash, Ward International Trucks, LNS Air Conditioning, and the Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. We are now joined by Chase Smith, the athletic director and football coach here at Spanish Fort. Good morning. Good morning. 
Thanks for allowing us to come out and uh, broadcast. Want to update us on how spring sports is getting off to the start so far? Yeah, it's uh, it's been a great spring, Lee. We've got we'll have some coaches come on later and kind of talk about their sports. But uh, you know, right right now, track our track programs in in full gear. We've got uh, uh, Kate Miller just set a new school record in the 800. Uh, we've got Hunter Hall's a kid for us at those the discus. He's ranked number one in the state right now, doing really well. Uh, our boys four by 100 team. Uh, it's podium three meets in a row and uh, one of the top relay teams in the state. Uh, we've got Winston McGee is one of our top mile runners. Uh, Devontae Simpson is a top triple jumper. And Josh Powell, also a basketball player for us, is a top ten long jumper. So uh, doing really well. Uh, I've got a lot of kids out, more than we ever have, and uh, doing really well on track. How about soccer? Uh, our soccer programs are, are taking off. Uh, you know, we've we've got uh, the boys. They're kind of in competition. I don't know who's better right now, the boys or the girls. Uh, the boys are ranked six right now, twelve and three overall record. They're three and zero in area play, uh, outscoring opponents eighty six to fourteen right now. Uh, really cool thing happened uh, last week. Our senior captain uh, Colin Spuler uh, set seventy seven career goals, number one uh, goal uh, score in the in the school history. So that was a really cool night. So got a lot of things going there. And then our girls soccer is twelve and zero right now. Uh, they're fifth in the state. They've already secured uh, their region, or excuse me, area two championship, and we're going to host the playoffs, uh, the first round at home for girls soccer. Uh, you know, just doing really well there. Got a big win versus McGill the other night. That was a big win for us. Uh, they're playing, taking on Hoover tonight uh, up on the hill, so that's going to be a big test for them. They're doing really well. So, yeah, I figured since the uh, soccer coaches aren't here, they must have games out of area today. Well, they uh, they don't they don't work on campus. We went and recruited some really really good coaches for us. So they're they're at their other job right now. So uh, so you have Hoover coming here. Hoover's coming here. Yep. Are so they as good in soccer as they are in just about every other sport? Yeah, they're they're top in seven A. So it's going to be uh, going to be a really good test for our girls tonight. Wow. How about the boys? What are they up to? When's their next? Uh, it'll be next week. Uh, they'll back back in action. Uh, our spring breaks next week, so uh, they have a little time off, but they'll be back in action and uh, ready for area play. As far as uh, I know, we'll be talking to baseball and softball. What yeah. kind of starts are they off to? Doing really well. Uh, doing really well. I think softball the other night uh, had a big win versus Saraland. I know Saraland's got a really good team this year. So uh, we've got a young, we've got a young group at softball, and they, and they've got a lot of talent, doing really well in baseball. Uh, is off to a really good start. They've got 11 wins so far, uh, doing really well as, as up going for this season as well. And you kind of get, you're just doing AD job now because, as you said, you're not going to be getting uh, spring football coming up. Correct, correct. Yeah, we're going to forego a uh, traditional spring. We're doing our 10 2, what we call 10 2, 10 weeks to two hours a week uh, developmental work. Uh, the state allows us to do that. And then uh, we'll have that extra week coming in the fall. So what are you going to do? No football. You, I mean, is that you shaking over there? Are you having withdrawals? <laughs> what is that over there? I know, I know it's, uh, it's, it's going to be different. I mean, uh, you know, I got to get used to it because that's something, I, you know, obviously you really look forward to is a little break in the spring and get the pads popping. But, uh, you know, for the betterment of the program, I think, you know, it's going to pay dividends when the when fall comes it's part of that because of the a lot of the athletes are playing other sports too yeah so i mean you know when you look at it uh and you make that decision uh you know i pro and con everything you know so what's the best for us as a whole and and so we've we've got more uh football players out at track than we ever have well that's because it's not you know we're not having the traditional spring so they don't feel like they're missing out on something and i think that's going to pay dividends for both track and football uh and we, you know you've got other coaches that coach other sports and and things like that so you're not competing and and uh you know just get that development closer to the fall so looking forward to it paying off 
So we will have you back here around 7.50 this morning. You can talk about your football team, maybe some of the players that are getting looked at by yeah. colleges, mm-hmm. uh, some of the maybe the newcomers that you're hoping can uh, help the program, and, of course, looking at 6A again, which yeah. is probably you want to stay away from. <laughs> Very tough region for <laughs> no, sure, it Chase. Is. It is. Appreciate you getting the uh, schedule together for us and look forward to having you back. Yeah. Yeah, pros, come out here and talk Spanish Ford Athletics. That's right. Negatives, had to get up early and talk <laughs> Man, I'm up. Hey, this, I've been here for 30 minutes, boys. I've been waiting <laughs> on y'all. Uh, where y'all at? Lee's running late. <laughs> oh, it sounds like you threw down a challenge. Next year, we go, Lee going to be here at 3 in the morning. You're here at 525 this morning? Every day. Okay, because I was out in the parking lot looking for you. Every day. Couldn't uh, find you. Yeah. All right, so when we come back, we'll turn our attention. Uh, I think we're going to do some tennis, some golf on the docket this hour as well. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. It's our Dr. Christopher Molnick's championship drive right here on the sports station. WNSP and WNSP.com. We're at Spanish Sports. Welcome back in the opening kickoff. Dr. Christopher Molnick's championship drive. Mark and Lee from Air Sports One. We're on the campus of Spanish Fort High School. Ah, yes. <laughs> he pointed at me like, I'm like, what? Uh, want to tell you guys, as always, I try to tell you as, as much as I possibly can. If you are getting to the age where you're thinking about retirement, if you're within a year, maybe you're 65 or still working, and maybe to look looking to retire in the next 12 months, you need to call Aiden Marks of Medicare Insurance Advisors. Now, Aiden is, doesn't sell insurance, but what he does is he helps you kind of navigate all of those questions that you might have about Medicare. He had, um, he had a client that kept putting off Medicare, quite frankly, because he was healthy. He didn't feel like he needed that. So Aiden helped him get everything set up. Now, he had to pay a little bit of a penalty uh, because of when he signed up, but they got things moving quickly. So, like for me, I didn't even know there was a penalty if you didn't sign up by a certain time. But that's where Aiden Marks comes in. He can help you. So, if you're confused, if you're tired of nonstop solicitation calls, maybe you just need a local agent. Aiden Marks is all those things, right? He's local, he's knowledgeable, and he has a physical location. You can go see him on Highway 98 and Terry Tom- uh, across from Terry Thompson Chevrolet. Go see him. He can come see you. There's never a fee for his services. So give him a call, 463-0031. That's 463-0031. That's Aid Marks of Medicare Insurance Advisors. Joining us in Air Sports 1 at Spanish Fort is the uh, boys tennis coach, Lance Thomas. Good morning. Good morning. How Thanks you for having me. Uh, thank you for uh, dropping by and getting us started. How are the boys tennis team doing and also the girls tennis team? Um, the boys' tennis team has been doing really well. Um, we haven't lost a match to any of the teams down here so far this year. And um, we have one more section match to play, and uh, we'll do that after spring break. So they're doing really well. And um, the girls' tennis team is um, doing well, too. They've uh, had a little bit tougher of a time, but they have a big tournament today and tomorrow at um, over at Mobile Tennis Center that McGill uh, Toolman 
How about the boys? Where are they uh, competing? Are they competing this weekend? Uh, No, sir. They've competed the last two or three weekends. We've been to Mississippi. We've been to Tuscaloosa, Birmingham. Um, We've been around, and uh, they get this weekend off. So you and I were talking uh, off the air about the fact that you're coaching not only your your boy mm-hmm. in tennis, but also your girl in tennis. Yes, how's sir. that? How's that working out? It's it's fun. Um, I uh, used to coach over at Daphne a few years ago, and uh, when the opportunity came over here to be able to coach them, I, I jumped at it. Um, so I've actually coached them for three years now. Uh, so my daughter is a senior, and um, she'll be get to coach her again today and tomorrow in the McGill tournament. And then my son is a junior, so I still have one more year left with him. And how much, when you say you, you coach? as the father and then of course slash coach how much coaching do you do for tennis what what's the the key there um most of the boys of our top six are well coached they know more than i do so they coach me more i more work on the mental part of it if that makes any sense calming them down when things aren't going right uh just making sure that they're having fun out there um but with the with some of the lower uh kids that are just getting into it uh, those are the ones that i can really help out how do you do on the court? I'm sure you play against your, your son and your daughter. How's that going? Have they beaten yet? Can they beat you? Um, to be honest with you, I haven't played with my son in about a year and a half. Uh, uh, I haven't lost to him, but I haven't played him since he's gotten a lot better. So I don't know if I want to get back on the court with him, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, now we're. Uh, my wife wants us to start playing, as you can probably guess, pickleball. And I told her we can't do that during tennis season. We have to wait until tennis season's over. Why does she want you to get into pickleball? She played uh, college tennis herself. She's kind of like the uh, the head of the family that got all of us into uh, tennis. And we've got a couple younger boys that play as well. Um, so she uh, she likes pickleball now. All right. So uh, speaking of your folks, tell, tell everybody about Will Owen on the boys' side and Emma Wallander on the, on the girls' side. They are our uh, Beef O'Brady Student Athletes of the Week for tennis. Yes, sir. Um, Will Owen is a senior. Um, he is technically our number seven in our lineup, but this year we've had – he's actually played the last eight matches as um, in our top six wow. because we've had so much just sickness and just stuff that's been going around. So he has just stepped up significantly. Um, he is really, really a great player. He's the, one of the first people on the court. He loves the game. Um, he, he can, anywhere, and he's – Anyway, he's just amazing. Um, over to Emma. Emma is a senior as well. Um, she's going to Troy next year. Um, but she is a great, great student. I actually have her in class as well. But she had a very, very important match that we were over in Mississippi where she had to um, – it was four courts to four courts. And she was the deciding match and ended up going into a tiebreaker and was down in that tiebreaker and actually fought back and uh, ended up winning and giving us the victory for the match. So that's why she was the uh, player of the week. Did you uh, play a lot of tennis coming through the ranks? No. Actually, my wife got me into it, so I didn't start playing until my mid-20s. How would you wind up as a coach? um, Like I said, my wife got me into it, and when I got bit by that tennis bug, I got bit hard. And uh, I played a lot for three, four, or five days a week um, for a long, long time. And then the opportunity over at Daphne presented itself, um, so I jumped at it because I just love it. Mark and I have had discussions about pickleball. Because you played tennis, does that make you a better pickleball player? You know, I, to be honest with you, pickleball is, is, is similar but different. Um, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know, putt-putt and golf, right? I mean, they're kind of the same thing, but I don't know. I, I think it helps you in some strategies, but if you try to swing uh, that, uh, that paddle like you do your racket, it, it's not going to work. 
Good luck to you today uh, going over to the Mobile Tennis Center. Thank you. All appreciate right. Good y'all. luck to the family, too. Thank you all. And thank you all for everything you all do. We do Thanks. appreciate you all. Lance Congratulations Thomas. and best of luck. Thank you. Lance is the boys' uh, tennis coach and also a little bit on the girls' tennis coach, and he coaches both his son and his daughter. All right. So you guys can jump in, 694-1055. we got a little time here. Uh, we will catch up with uh, the boys' golf coach. And I say that in air quotes. Jimbo Tolbert will be along shortly. But do you want to get in on the uh, the March Madness in the games yesterday or, or on Alabama's Pro Day, you can certainly do so. Um, and for all that are, you know, couldn't sleep last night, Nate Oates, Nick Saban, they've worked it out. There was no ill intent on either part. Uh, Nick Saban was asked, one of the first questions he was asked yesterday in Tuscaloosa during the Pro Day was about his comments uh, wrong place, wrong time. He His response basically, Lee, was, I don't even watch basketball press conference. So he made it sound like he was completely unaware of a said statement that Nate Oates uh, made. Now, Nate was asked in Louisville about it, and uh, he also gave a very uh, – very similar answer. Yeah, I doubt he watched uh, yesterday's uh, press conference with the uh, UCLA coach, Mick Cronin. I, I didn't because I don't watch press conferences either, to be honest about it. But apparently Mick was a little ticked off that he had to wait 33 minutes to come in. And as he entered with his players, this was UCLA after they got beat by Gonzaga. And this was about 30, 35 minutes after the game. And they asked Mick Cronin for an opening statement. And his statement basically was, I'm not so happy that I had to wait 33 minutes to come in here and talk to you guys. So uh, I, I don't know if there was really – because most of the writers, media people, they want to talk to the winning coach, Mark Few, and, of course, Strother, who's from there and had the, the three-pointer, and, of course, Timmy, who's been there forever. But, uh, yeah, the UCLA coach kind of was a downer when he went in there uh, after that and made note of the fact that uh, why am I waiting so long to come in here and talk to you guys? Sour grapes. Yeah. Sour grapes. I had another story yesterday, which I that, thought was that, that clear, I don't mean to interrupt, but that's clearly just him upset about losing and looking for a way to channel that frustration somewhere. But it comes off as petty. Like, you know what the routine is. You've been coaching a long time. You know that you have to go see the media. And you know in a game as crazy as that was that the media is probably going to take a little more time with the winning team. Uh, and so, grow up, Peter Pan. The NCAA has suspended Ferris State's head football coach, Tony Anisi. I'm sure you don't know who he is. He gets suspended one game for a rules violation, and this is what happened. His football team last December won the Division II state championship, but after the game, a couple of his players were smoking cigars, and it was a smoke-free locker room, totally in violation so because of that he gets suspended not during the regular season but if they go to the playoffs again mark he has to sit out the first game because mm. the players had a cigar all right i got issues with this so who's who's suspended like what entity suspended him the ncaa, the NCAA division two yeah smoke uh, see was that the, the so, he vi- they violated the fact that you're not supposed to smoke in that locker room right okay so is the NCAA, is the Division Two entity different than Division One when it comes to suspensions like that? I have no See, idea. See, because that would be the question, right? Because clearly everybody knows that when Alabama and Tennessee get together, it's illegal—not illegal, but against the rules. But it's—but they allow it, right? I, I got a hard time. One, I got a hard time 
disciplining anybody for for it, one. And then two, if you're going to discipline him and suspend him, then suspend him for the next game. You don't wait a whole season and suspend him for the playoffs. That's that's Bush League. That's that's awful. I'm not a big fan of cigar smoke, but uh, there was a rule that in this locker room, it's a hazard that they weren't supposed to do it. And I think well, there's a, there's that there's a rule like that in every locker room. Well, yeah, and they violated it, so uh, he has to pay the price. And he knew it. And I so think, think it goes back. I think there was another such violation the year before. This is a really good football program, by the way, that doesn't get much publicity since they're Division Two. So do you think? Tennessee last year or Alabama the year before, the multiple years before that should have been. You think Absolutely. Nick Saban should have been suspended? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm teasing. Of course not. I don't know what the – are you allowed to smoke in the uh, no. locker rooms? Of course not. I have not. no idea. It's ridiculous. By the way, play of the day yesterday uh, was the alley-oop. Um, waving the guy – waving your, waving your coach off firstly. You better – you better connect on an alley-oop that late in the game. He's, he's, it was unbelievable. Can't wait to watch him again. He is really – I know you You were busy yesterday. You had your own basketball. I don't know if you've even gotten to see him play in real time, but that's twice now, and this guy's terrific. 5'7", five, 5'8", five, guard, what he does on the floor. And there were other plays he made were really sensational. Yeah. Uh, now, again, I'll say this, you know, both sides. I thought he almost cost his team – the game, he t- he comes down, and it, they're getting near overtime. Well, they weren't at, at overtime yet. And he takes like a 30-footer. A 30-footer. I mean, you had plenty of time, and he's just dribbling outside. But it was pretty obvious. He put the game on his shoulders. He missed it. And I think there was another point in overtime where he missed a long, long three. But the guy just plays like with such heart and such passion. He rolled his ankle in the first half. Weren't sure if he was coming back. He said, come on, it was nothing. They taped it up. I'm not going to sit out. I'm coming back, and I'm playing. So he did, and, of course, he's playing. I'm not saying he's playing before the home crowd, but in essence, he is from New York, from the Harlem area. Obviously, he's a tough kid growing up probably on the playgrounds and really did a number on Michigan State because when he went out, Mark, that's when Michigan State kind of took control of the game. But when he came back in, things changed. So now I'm really anxious to see how he does in his next game, and he'll be playing FAU. Do you realize that Kansas State now was picked to finish last in their conference this year? Last? They're one win away from the Final Four? Uh, you guys, uh, somebody in the app suggested that uh, there was a debate as to whether that alley-oop was scripted or not and all the back and forth with the coach. Jerome Tang, the, the coach, told i think it was sports illustrated last night that was not scripted he wanted one thing the kid wanted something else <laughs> clearly that is the ball game the owls alive and well they win it 62 55 and florida atlantic is elite eight bound all right, 6.52, welcome back in. Wrapping up our number one here from Spanish Ford High School. It's the Dr. Christopher Monix High School uh, Championship Drive. Uh, we're in Air Sports 1, uh, Mark and Lee. Well, if there's a team is that's probably the most unlikeliest team in this tournament, it's got to be FAU, former Sunbelt School uh, then con- representing Conference USA, and I think they move to the American Athletic Conference next year. 34 wins this year. That's the most 
of any school. And they beat Tennessee yesterday, leaving Alabama as the only remaining SEC school. We're pleased to be joined now by Dr. Christopher Mullinix of Mobile Oral and Facial Surgery. They are our title sponsor for the championship drive that took us to Spanish Fort today. Dr. Mullinix, good morning. How are you today? Good morning, guys. Doing well. Thank you. So, so what's your Friday morning like? You know, currently I'm driving into work late. We start about 7.30. Fridays we typically just do surgeries. Uh, so we'll start operating about 7.30, and we usually finish around 2 or 2.30. Uh, we do have the ability to work in an occasional emergency if that happens, so, but it's pretty much a structured day of surgery. So, uh, and, and again, I'm very familiar with this. I, I took my wife in for surgery. Your surgery is mostly done in the morning, and then you just see outpatients in the afternoon? Uh, correct. So Monday through Thursday, we'll do surgery every morning until around 1 o'clock, and then we'll see consults, follow-ups, new patients, et cetera, from about 1 to 4, and then try to finish up around 4.30. You're, you're gifted in oral surgery, but is there one area of oral surgery that seems to trump the others when it comes to the, the, the when people come to see you? What the, the most, let's say, uh, area that they need done the most? Is it dental implants? Is it wisdom teeth or, or anything along those lines? You know, everybody kind of has their special niche, and over the years, I've gone from doing pretty much everything involved with oral surgery to uh, the bulk of my procedures now related to wisdom teeth and third molars, where I do a lot of bone grafting. I still do some pathology. Uh, I have turned over most of the reconstructive surgery to Dr. Aaron Wallander, who's just very gifted at it, loves to do it, and has a passion for it. So uh, my day consists mostly of uh, office surgeries with wisdom teeth, dental implants, bone grafts, uh, some infections, things of that nature. Dr. Malenix, how can our listeners uh, reach your office at 715 Downtown or Boulevard? Well, it's easy to lead two options. The best option, the quickest, the most direct, is just pick up the phone and give us a call, 251-471-3381. And then we are on the web at mobileoralsurgery.com. As always, I enjoy having you on. We'll talk to you next Friday. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. You too. I appreciate it, Dr. Christopher Mullinix. Did you? Uh, we haven't really had a chance to uh, to get into. Uh, so there's another chapter in the saga that is Lamar Jackson now. So the NFL sent out a memo to all clubs yesterday to let them know that a person who is not certified by the NFLPA might be attempting to like call team personnel and like negotiate or somehow persuade them into contract negotiations on behalf of Lamar Jackson. Uh, and it's it's apparently one of his friends that he's kind of got, got this business with. Um, I think his name is Ken Francis is his name. So, you know, Lamar Jackson and this guy are saying that's not the case. But clearly, you know, the league just doesn't randomly or haphazardly like send out these memos to all 32 teams. So I like I don't even know where to begin. Like how does how does a guy who's not like who what what do you just go online and say look for a team's organization's like headquarters and call them up and be like, "Hey, my name's Ken. You really need to sign my guy Lamar." Like what I don't even know how you even get that conversation started. But uh, the, the league sent out a memo. I think Schefter actually uh, posted the actual memo as a reminder because that's a huge no-no. Like, you cannot negotiate or have conversations without, with anybody who's not certified. And, 
you know, we talk about how Lamar is his own kind of agent, but now he's got a guy that's calling on his behalf. And the NFL said, look, if you're going to go negotiate, you have to do it with Lamar. It's a very unique situation in that Lamar is handling his own negotiations. I, I can't think of any other high-profile pro, athlete that does his own negotiating. It just doesn't happen anymore. Uh, it used to be years ago before agents became, you know, the, the, the way to go. But apparently, and, and I'm not, you know, I, I don't really know all that much about this guy, Francis, but they may be in business together Francis. or something like that, and maybe – Maybe this guy, maybe this is a miscommunication or something like that. But the league made it very strongly that if you negotiate, you have to do it with Lamar Jackson, maybe in a member of his family, maybe his mom or something like that. But, you know, he's still out there. And, and to bring you up to date, he did, he's on a restricted free agent, which uh, means that the, the Ravens have signed him for something like 32 mil. But, he has permission to go out and seek out any other team that will pay him more than that. And then if the Ravens want to keep him, they can match that offer. But then if they don't, then, of course, he'll walk. So um, Lamar Jackson tweeted, stop lying. That man never tried to negotiate for me. So Francis uh, and Jackson are business partners, uh, and they sell portable gym equipment. Uh, but according to Lamar Jackson, that's the extent of their relationship. But I don't know, man. I, like I said, I don't think the league just like, hey, man, let's send out this release just in case. I'm sure they've gotten some information that this guy somehow contacted somebody. But I keep I keep having Deadpool replaying my. Francis. Have you seen this man? Francis. <laughs> well, have I you seen this man? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the only <laughs> thing that I could think of that would be that if Francis was was actually contacting other teams. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. That That would seem to indicate... Because then the other team, another team, would then maybe call the NFL office and say, who the heck is this guy? I mean, we're supposed to negotiate with Lamar Jackson. I don't know if that happened, but it just seems to me there's a miscommunication there because, you know, Lamar Jackson and this guy apparently are in business together. When I represent Patrick Mahomes, guys, and I call these teams, yeah, that's kind of how I do it. I you just send out a mass his, email. Do you even have his... Uh, oh, are you kidding? Man, we're, we're going out this weekend playing some golf. Maybe you could find Jimbo Talbert then and have him come. I'm in going here to look us. right now. I'm, I'm going to look right now. All right. <laughs> Hour number two Francis. on the way from Spanish Ford High School, right here on the sports station WNSP and WNSP.com. is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. And just like that, hour number two here, the Dr. Chris Monix Championship Drive. Mark and Lee from Air Sports One. We're on the campus of Spanish Ford High School. Two tremendous games yesterday in the NCAA Sweet 16. Kansas State's overtime win over Michigan State. Uh, maybe at this point the best of the NCAA tournament games. It was 98-93. It went overtime as a Marcus Noel 
point guard for Kansas State. A historic night with 19 assists to go with his 20 points that he assists the all-time record now in NCAA tournament history. And then the other game, which uh, went down to the final shot, Gonzaga eked out a 79-76 win over UCLA. Other than that, Arkansas never had a chance. They never led. Connecticut beat them uh, 88-65, and then uh, FAU. Uh, moving on to the Elite Eight. They've, they've never won a tournament game until this year, and they beat Tennessee. Mark, before I get to our, our next guest, two two events that I want to talk about real quick. Since we were giving out a lot of JAG baseball tickets this week for the uh, Louisiana-South Alabama series, due to pending weather uh, conditions, uh, that series has been altered a little bit. They'll have the Friday night game tonight at Eddie Stanky Field. Then tomorrow, a doubleheader starting at 1. I'm assuming, but you know how that is, you assume that if you have a ticket for Sunday, that they'll honor that for Saturday. Obviously, it'll be a doubleheader on Saturday. And the other, uh, for those who are looking to go downtown tomorrow morning, beware, it's the Azalea Trail Run. So I imagine there's going to be a number of streets that are kind of blocked off. There'll be a lot of people downtown. Uh, the annual Azalea Trail Run one of the more popular runs in the United States. That being said, let's uh, welcome in the uh, girls' golf coach, Jared Gilliland. Jared, how are you this morning? I'm good. How are y'all doing? Wonderful. I guess we start out very easily. How's the uh, season going so far for girls' golf here at Spanish Fort? The season is going tremendous. Um, you know, we have uh, probably eight quality high school golfers, and we have um, six that could easily play in college if they want to. Now, girls golf is always one of those things where people are like, oh, go go play, because there are some teams just kind of looking for people who really enjoy the sport. Well, and I have an eighth grader who shot 76, a seventh grader who shot, you know, shoots in the 80s, and, and two juniors that are that are shooting in the 70s pretty consistently, and one shot two over the other day. So so we have some pretty serious golfers in our program for sure. So what, what do you do to make these golfers better? Well, you know, for me, mostly I'm kind of new to the sport. Um, now, I've played golf since I was young, you know, as a kid, but I was never, you know, as good as these girls are. But mostly just encourage them, try to put them in a situation to um, continue to gain confidence. Uh, most of them have swing coaches. So for me, it's more the team building. A lot of the same things. I was a psychologist? With, yeah, yeah. The psychology, trying to deal with coach. I had a bad, you know, hole right there. Well, you know, that hole's over, you know. Only think about positive thoughts. If I say, you know, think about tacos, don't think about tacos, you're going to think about tacos. So you got to think positively. So a lot of that kind of stuff. So it's fun. So uh, how many years have you been coaching girls golf out here? Uh, this is my first year coaching girls golf. Um, prior to this, you were doing what? Prior to this, I've been doing basketball um, for 11 years. So next year will be 12 years starting up. So I'm the girls basketball coach here as well. Um, but uh, golf has just kind of always been like a, a side passion. I think my dad was probably more excited when I told him I was coaching golf than anything just because he likes it so much. What's with you basketball coaches that coach golf over here? What is that? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it just works out with the schedule. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I can kind of wrap up and then step right on the, on the golf field. It's good for me to get outside a little bit, get some sun. Jared, when I was working at a camp in Lake George, they had uh, – obviously a lot of other sports it wasn't just a basketball camp as they played other sports and Jim Beheim, a well-known basketball coach was in charge of golf and the only thing he did really was drop the golfers off to play and then come back and pick them up <laughs> are you more active than that uh well if I wasn't more active than that my parents would probably be at my neck but yeah a little bit more active um so we just organize games at practice and let them play nine holes and then I drive around with a, like the like the snack cart lady uh, and make sure they're good to go between holes. Uh, speaking of your 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 team, talk a little bit about Ashlyn Madden 
And then on the boys' side, Jackson Spivey both named the um, the Beef O'Brady Student Athlete of the Week for golf here at Spanish Fort. Yeah, so Ashlyn, um, first of all, uh, she is a top-tier student. Um, you know, she's doing dual enrollment AP classes. Um, you know, she's working as hard as you possibly can on top of, you know, traveling on the weekends to play, you know, the golf courses that she needs to to get ready. She's playing in some tournaments over the spring break. Um, you know, she is uh, a uh, intense golfer um, in the in the most positive sense you can imagine. Um, we, we played a practice round in Prattville a couple weeks ago um, on our way up to a tournament in Greystone. And, um, you know, she's marking her yardage book like you'd see the, the guys on TV doing it. So she's rolling the balls. I mean, it's it's all she does. Um, Jackson, now obviously I don't work directly with Jackson golf-wise, but he has been in my class all year, and he's a great student as well. Um, and, you know, like I was telling you guys earlier, um, pretty sure he has a swing simulator at his house that he built himself, and, and nice. he's constantly working on his swing as well. So um, if, if they don't figure it out, it's, it's not going to be for, for lack of effort, for sure. Do you have one of those at your house? Heck no, not yet. But, see, now it's, it gives me an excuse to talk my wife into it. Jared, you mentioned you've been coaching basketball for a number of years. Did you catch any of the action last night in the Sweet 16? I did, yeah. Um, I was I was watching the Gonzaga game. I really enjoy um, just Gonzaga basketball in general. Um, it's funny, one time I was in Birmingham with my sister-in-law and my wife, and you know we were eating at a restaurant. And My sister-in-law, she played tennis in high school, and she's not a huge basketball person. Well, she said, Jared, she said, I think there's like a basketball coach out there. There's like a college basketball coach. I said, no, there's not. I said, you don't even know any college basketball coaches. Stop. I was like, you just messed with me. She said, no, that guy looks familiar. Turn around, Mark Few is in the restaurant with us. Oh, nice. So he's there for, like, you know, one of the local big AAU tournaments over the summer um, next to that restaurant close to Top Golf, And he comes over, takes a picture with us. You know, we, you know, we, you know, talk to him for a little while. I mean, super down-to-earth guy, just there to kind of hang out with a couple of his buddies that he used to coach with. And so that was just a memory I always have. So I always try to catch some, some Zags games for sure. You're going to be uh, disappointed. that I, Is this uh, Timmy's last year, or does he still have some more years left? I think this is it. This is it. I mean, he's like 44, so <laughs> yeah, it's, it's probably so time to move on. So what would you think of the fin- uh, that game? It was so up and down, uh, streaks, teams. I, I think UCLA went, what, 11 minutes without a field goal? Yes. I, You know, I was really impressed by the game because, you know, Gonzaga came out like they normally do and just kind of were hot offensively and just getting the ball to Timmy constantly, but um, UCLA kind of, you know, bared down a little bit um, and played some good defense and, and did some things in the ball screen that messed them up. Um, and so it was kind of exciting to see uh, the back and forth. Yeah, so I was like the commentators with like 40 seconds left, UCLA fouls, uh, and they were only down three. I'm like, what are you doing? But then Gonzaga could not make a free throw for anything down the stretch, so it wound up paying off for them. Yeah. And I thought they were going to pull it off. And uh, and then it was just a wild finish there for Gonzaga with that three. That was I know. nuts. Crazy. Jared, uh, Gonzaga holds the record for most NCAA tournament wins without winning a championship. Is this the year? Well, I really hope so. Uh, you know, I guess just the nostalgia of seeing them be so good for so long. And, and of course, you know, like I said, meeting Mark Few, I, I would hope that it is. Um, they're definitely going to have to go through some really tough teams because there's a lot of good teams in the tournament this year. It seems not, again, I, I've never met Mark Few or Cronin of UCLA, but it seems if I was going to meet somebody, I'd rather meet Few than Cronin. <laughs> yeah, Cronin, he seems pretty intense. But, um, but yeah, Few, Few is, uh, he's, he's, pretty, um, he's pretty down to earth, but. Super good coach. When's your next uh, girls match? So our next match is over the break Thursday against Bayside. Um, Where do you play? We'll play at Rock Creek. Um, so we'll play at two o'clock at Rock Creek, um, and we'll have we'll have one of our top girls. She's 
she's going on vacation to Cabo, but Katie Hallmark is probably kind of that next. Um, she's going player. to Cabo? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, she was like, hey, Coach, I'm going to Cabo. Is that okay? I said, yeah, it's okay. I, I wish I could go with you. Yeah, just take the team with right, you. Right, yeah, and we need to do play. a team trip. Yeah, start when you, fundraising. When you play at a place like Rock Creek, do they shut the course off for other golfers? Do you have it to yourself, or do they still have others playing? They typically have others playing. Um, now, it depends on the course. You know, some of them are pretty good about, okay, hey, we'll set aside these tee times so that you have time to go. Um, it'll just be a single match, so there'll be about, you know, four Bayside girls and maybe, you know, four to seven of our girls playing. So it shouldn't be too big of a deal to mess up what they have going on on a normal day. But now if you do a tournament like when we played at Greystone, every hole tees off at 1030 and, and you play all day and the place is shut down. So do you do you walk the course um, at practice? I will walk the course um, just to kind of get a feel and, and get my steps in. Um, unless they're playing and I just need to get around. But most of the time I, I have to stay on the cart um, just to kind of make sure they have water and snacks um, throughout the day, depending on how hot it is. But I try to get my steps in. I don't want to end up being shaped like a golf cart at the end of the season, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, 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 we're picking up what you're putting down, Coach. <laughs> uh, really do appreciate you coming in, and congratulations to both, uh, both golfers, man. It was great stuff. Uh, we wish you the best of luck this season. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it, guys. Appreciate your time. All right, so it's 714. Uh, we're going to catch up with Alec Naiman here. We'll talk some baseball and softball in this hour as well. Chase Smith will be back to talk a little uh, football and what the plans are for the Toros uh, this spring. Um, not traditional plans. We'll explain all that coming up. In hour number three, Ryan Fowler uh, of 100 uh, of the Tide, 100.9 in Tuscaloosa, will join us. He was at the Alabama Pro Day, so we'll get to that next. But here comes your scoreboard traffic and weather on this Friday edition. It's the Dr. Christopher Mullinex Championship Drive right here from Spanish Fort. It's Sports Radio 105.5 FM, WNSP and WNSP.com. Hi, everybody. Jennifer Hale here from the NFL on Fox, and you're listening to 105.5 WNSP in Mobile. All right, 721, thanks for uh, hanging with us. It's our Dr. Christopher Monarch's championship drive. Mark and Lee, we're in Air Sports 1. We're on the campus of Spanish Ford High School. One of the busiest guys these days in the food business is our good friend Alec Naiman, Naiman's Catering. Alec, uh, I wanted to ask you a question as we wish you a very good morning today. How soon do you need to get an order in uh, if you're going to throw a party or they want you to come out and cater, how much leeway do you need? Well, you know, we uh, corporate lunches, sometimes they give us uh, just one day notice, like today for tomorrow or something like that. But certainly, uh, you know, you know a little bit in advance. We'd appreciate that, of course. We didn't take a long time to plan, so we'd like to, like to get a lot of advance notice on wedding so we can help be part of a lot of logistics corporate. Corporate calls us just a few weeks in advance, sometimes the day before for a lunch at their office. So we, we're flexible on our time. We're going to try to help everybody no matter what. We'll, we'll jump through the hoops for them, I tell you. Hey, I, I, I've got to tell you, I'm, we're out at the Festival of Flowers this weekend. It's beautiful, and it's been wonderful. You ought to see the displays and all the landscaping and all the flowers. So come out and join us at the Festival of Flowers out on the Providence campus behind Providence Hospital there. It's, uh, it's, it's for the uh, Providence Foundation. 
And also tomorrow, I'm going to be at the McQueen Center out on the USA campus with Aubrey's Army. And that's the Lemon Face Gala. We'll be, and that's a great uh, charity to support. But it's going to have a great band, lots of, lots of good stuff to eat and drink. And, of course, we'll be there servicing the food part of everything. So join us for the uh, Aubrey's Army. To you can still get tickets and all that kind of stuff. So... Anyhow, hey, my Jags are uh, playing raging cages. We, we need a we need three wins, okay? We, we 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 didn't look too good last week, so we need three good wins. So get out and support my Jags this weekend too. So guys, I guess uh, if y'all need me, you call me four seven three thirty nine hundred. Look me up on the web at namenscatering dot com. Give me a like on Facebook, and we like that kind of stuff. So, hey, right, Lisa, if you want me to feed you, you just call me, okay? I'll feed you. I appreciate that. You have a great day and a great weekend, Alec. We'll check in with you next week, okay? Thank you so Thank much. Thank Go Jacks. And to Alex's message about South Alabama, in case you missed it, they have altered their schedule this weekend due to pending weather conditions over the weekend. They will play the night game tonight at 6.30 at Stanky Field, and then instead of single game Saturday and Sunday, they will host a doubleheader against the Raging Cajuns starting at 1 o'clock Tomorrow, I assume tickets for Sunday are going to be valid for Saturday's game. We gave out a lot of tickets this week for this series. So just keep in mind, no Sunday game, a doubleheader on Saturday, Mark. All right, we got some time if you want to jump in at 694-1055. That is the number. We spent a lot of time on last night's games. Uh, Obviously, another slate of games tonight, starting with Alabama basketball. I know a lot of people are, are talking about San Diego uh, state and their athleticism and their defensive uh, uh, minded uh, strategy, but I I, I got to be honest, I just don't see it. I don't see if 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 Alabama's hitting anywhere near to what they usually hit. I don't see how this is competitive. When we start talking about teams trying to control pace and control it in a way that means slowing it down, that's not that's not good news for for anybody, whether it's San Diego State or anybody else. It's so much easier to go up tempo than to slow anybody down. I just don't think – I think this is a double-digit win for Alabama. I'm not going to disagree with you on that. I think uh, Nate Oates is probably more concerned about this game than we are. Um, San Diego State, I guess because we don't – I haven't really seen them play that much. But when people start talking about, well, they're defensive-minded and then the fact that they really control the, the flow of the game and hold the ball, well, are they a very good defensive team or not? Or is it just because they don't take a lot of shots in a game and basically milk the clock? So I've never really bought into that. Um Offense, of course, wins. You need guys to score points. Uh, not discrediting San Diego State had a really good year in the Mountain West, and usually the Mountain West has not done well in the NCAA tournament. To that, San Diego State did get a couple of wins. So they and and there's also rumors too, uh, and this has nothing to do with the game tonight. But there are rumors that if the Pac-12 is still in existence next year, and th- that we don't even know, that San Diego State is uh, a prime candidate to move to the Pac-12. But their basketball program over the years has been successful. Dutcher, the coach, uh, used to uh, used to work with Steve Fisher. Steve Fisher was a coach at Michigan for a long time, and you know they went to San Diego State. I'm not concerned at all about this game, too. Uh, obviously, Nate Oates is more concerned, but I, I'm with you, Mark. I don't know if it'll be double digits, but I look for Alabama to win this game and then take on either Creighton or Princeton. Personally, I'm hoping they play Princeton 
but it, it doesn't matter to me. Both Princeton and Creighton are different types of uh, programs to play against. I, I think uh, Alabama, with their depth, uh, will prevail easily tonight. All right. Uh, again, you guys can continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. The other story we talked about as far, and we'll talk about in hour number three, is Alabama's pro day. Bryce Young, uh, I think he had two dropped. I think someone did the math. I think the Houston Chronicle, somebody, uh, I think it was, I'm, I'm going off memory. I think it was 44 or 50 he hit, but two were dropped. And apparently one hit the netting at the top of the facility. <laughs> so I don't know if you count that one, but well, all I hope in all. That, I hope uh, that doesn't cost him a first yeah, pick. Uh, uh, other than that, though, I, I, it, it went as well as I think you could. I think people, um, I know Stephen, uh, Steve Smith, formerly of the Carolina Panthers, gushed over Bryce's performance, uh, had him on the NFL Network, did an interview with him, and uh, basically told him that 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 workout was worthy of being the first quarterback taken. He meant no disrespect to C.J. Stroud, although I'm sure that's how Stroud's group will will, will take it. Take it, but uh, he's all in on uh, Bryce Young at number one. Yeah, and they said the same thing about Stroud at his pro day. Look, they, they're not facing anybody. All they're doing is playing pitch and catch. And if you really want to know about these guys, go back and look at the tape during the season. That's where it's all happening. Well, I think that's what Steve, uh, Steve Smith was talking about, though. I think the goal is to go to these pro days and see and confirm what they saw on film. And uh, there were a couple things that he liked. The way I think he threw the corner route how he threw it before the receiver got there, uh, how he threw it across the middle um, and threw it with a high release, and then, of course, um, his quickness, especially with his feet. So we'll continue to talk about it in hour number three. When we come back, we'll talk some baseball and some softball here at Spanish Fort. It's the Dr. Christopher Monex Championship Drive. Mark and Lee in Air Sports 1 right here on the sports station, WNSP. I could eat there seven times a day Where the people laugh and children play Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A All right, 732, you know what that means. What you got for him, Lee? Well, I had a whole bunch of good questions, but I'll tell you, based on what happened last night with Kansas State, I couldn't help but this one because it's well-documented now. Marcus Noel set an NCAA assist record for a tournament game with 19. Whose record did he break? Who held the previous record of 18? If you know the answer, give uh, Nick a call at 694-1055. And I do want to thank our sponsors, uh, David Green and the Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm, uh, Will Barnes and the Barnes family at McDonald's Restaurants, Greer's Market, Cast Saver. Oh, I hear great things about the St. Louis location, the rooftop. Get over there and uh, test it out. Beefo Brady's, Tillman's Corner. Todd, thank you for coming aboard. Rich's Car Wash, Ward International Trucks, and Larry Skoda and LNS Air Conditioning. Time to talk softball and baseball with coaches uh, Barkley Karcher and uh, Coach Pruitt joining us. Let's start with the girls' softball team. Where do we think? Where do things stand right now? Uh, well, right now we are off to a good start. We are um, three and one in our area. Um, we had a tough game last night to Robertsdale, giving us our first loss in the area. Um, but the night before, we 
defeated a region opponent, uh, Sarah Land, um, and the bats were hot, and everything's coming coming to good. What happened yesterday? You, you mentioned about Robertsdale uh, coming and, and winning that game. How was it? A close game? Um, well, not not necessarily a close game. Uh, we unfortunately um, had a player um, have a concussion, so that took out um, our starting third baseman, which then. We had to move our lineup around and take my starting catcher, put her at third. So we had people all out of position. And um, anyway, I just think that that was a little much for us. But um, overall, we did well. Um, we lost um, nine, uh, four to nine. Um, but previously, when we played them at home, we won um, 11 to five. So Barkley Kurtz, how many years, Barkley, have you been coaching softball here? Well, actually, I was the first softball coach here back in 2005, and then I became the soccer coach here. And recently, uh, at the beginning of the school year, Coach Lauren Stewart um, accepted a job at Wallace State, and our admin and athletic director asked me if I would come out of retirement from softball and help the softball team out this year. Has it changed? The culture changed much in the softball from when you were here in 05 to the what it's going to now? How Has it changed much? Uh, absolutely. I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, everything is, um, you know, digital, number one. You don't even keep a, a real book, you know. <laughs> and that, to me, I was like, you know, learning Game Changer was a big deal. Um, you know, but really the game itself, you know, it's, it hasn't changed. And, you know, I think the kids are adapting well to the new coaching staff. And, um, you know, we had to come in and form a relationship and, uh, you know, get everybody on board. So it's been a challenge, but um, we're moving forward and looking forward, you know, to peaking at the right time and in in, at the end of the season. J.D. Pruitt's the head baseball coach. And, J.D., when I looked up your record yesterday, I saw you were 10-9, and 9, but I also see you're getting votes for top 10, which indicates to me you must be playing a pretty difficult schedule. Yeah, we're, uh, we're playing a pretty difficult schedule this year. We've played uh, Mobile Christian twice this year. Uh, Lost two one-run ball games to those guys. They've got a uh, Jason Smith, Coach Smith's got a really good ball club over there with with them. Uh, three nationally ranked teams. Um, uh, we've played Faith Academy, uh, Hartsville, Spain Park, uh, Bayside Academy, uh, Northridge out of Tuscaloosa, Prattville, St. Paul. So we've um, we've played a, a, a pretty a pretty tough schedule, and I think it's it really uh, says a lot about our team this year. With us graduating 17 seniors from last year, very inexperienced team this year, uh, really only bringing back two two kids with any varsity experience, and um, I think our kids had a had a have had a phenomenal off season, really worked hard, and and um, and so we're continuing to grind through this season. So when we talk about your team, are you set at your positions now with so many seniors having left the program, or are you still experimenting? Yeah, we're still experimenting some. I think, you know, which we are getting close to the time now. We, we open up area play tonight with, with Robert Stale. So, um, so you know, we're kind of getting to the point where uh, some things are starting to solidify themselves. Um, uh, but I will say, you know, we are still moving a couple of people around due to a couple of injuries that we do have. But, um, again, you know, it's kind of just the next man up mentality with our kids, and they're doing a good job. Are you set in your pitching? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, you know, we've, we, we do return one, uh, one starter uh, on the mound from last year, John Henry Winstead. Um, he's, he's come in and, and, and performed really well for us this year. Uh, Chris Sullivan, senior, has really stepped up this year. Uh, he's more of a more of a bullpen arm for us last year, stepped into a starter role this year. So um, he, he's excelling in that role this year. So how do you guys, and, and this is a question for both of you, where's the balance in scheduling 
tough games that you know you could potentially lose mm -hmm. with getting some wins and keeping the, the players kind of confidence high? Uh, and again, I think it, it really kind of goes back to, um, I guess, kind of just your overall philosophy. I, 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 I kind of take the, uh, the mindset of I want our guys to be challenged before we get into area play. Yeah. Um, so I want to see the best teams. I want to play the best teams. I want to play the best teams in this area, in this state, in the nation. That's why we go to uh, the perfect game tournament up in Hoover, and, and that's where we played North Broward prep out of Coconut Beach, Florida. Um, that ran uh, a Mississippi State guy out there at us. So um, I want our guys to be, like I said, battle-tested before we get into these big games. Well, you, your, your region is tough enough. I mean, we mentioned, I, I assume you're in 6A, right? Correct, and every, yeah. Well, I, I can't keep track of the way all these schools <laughs> move around, but you would have Sierra Land, and they're in the top ten right, right. now. you got St. Paul's that uh, comes to mind. You mentioned some of the, like, Mobile Christian and Faith, which are in other mm -hmm. regions, but playing them. So you already got a tough enough uh, region to uh, begin with. What about you, Barkley? the question that Mark asked. Well, for us, um, you know, we Coach Pruitt and I just had this conversation at lunch yesterday, but, you know, softball, we still, uh, you play your area games throughout the season um, to seed you for the area tournament, and then you play your area tournament top two from your area go to region. So um, as far as scheduling for us, you know, we have to get our games um, in throughout. My schedule was kind of set when I took on the position. Um, but we, um, you know, we see our uh, area um, opponents early and then right here midseason. So, um, you know, like I said, you want to play those tough tournaments so that you can get in the play and make the mistakes uh, in the games that don't count as much. Sure. And then so you'll be ready for your area. Oh, uh, well, once again, Beefo Brady's and Todd Weissong over there in Tillman's Corner, gracious enough to uh, present Student Athletes of the Week. For softball, tell us about Mackenzie Bullion. Well, actually, Kinsey is a junior, um, and she is player of the week um, for her performance at the plate. Uh, she came off the bench and um, hit two home runs for us and um, let us take up take the lead um, against uh, Satsuma. Um, she uh, is currently one of our um, top pitchers. Uh, she has a 4-1 record, and she's just really dominating and taking control in the circle as well as at the plate. And for uh, baseball, Pierce Dutton. Yeah, uh, really hard to put into words what this what this guy means to our team and what type of player and what type of kid he is. Um, he's hitting 491 on the year. Uh, this past weekend, he, he had two home runs with six RBIs against uh, Madison Academy and um, uh, 11 stolen bases. He has more extra base hits than he does singles. So he's his OPS is, is right around... <laughs> Uh, 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 fifteen hundred right now. Are teams trying to pitch around him? <laughs> well, he's in the leadoff spot, so it's kind of tough. Yeah, but still, four ninety one. Yeah, he's he's swinging he's swinging a hot bat right now. That's um, that's uh, that's uh, amazing. Signed with Shelton State, um, and he's actually getting a couple of a couple of looks from a couple of uh, Division One schools right now. What what kind of a team? What's the personality of your team this year? Is it uh, uh, like? hit and runs like bunt runners over or do you have power in the lineup uh, i wouldn't necessarily say that that we've got a ton of power again because again when you look at what we graduated from last year's team a very experienced team last year a very physical team um so we um our personality i would really say is just uh, they're just a bunch of tough kids uh they, they love the game of baseball they love to compete and um 
And, you know, I think, you know, as they show up to the park every single day, I think I know exactly what I'm going to get out of them, and that's hey, that's a, their, their competitive spirit. J.D. Pruitt is the head baseball coach at Spanish Fort. Did you t watch a lot of the uh, World Baseball Classic? Oh, I did. It was good. It was good stuff. I tell you what, the uh, that matchup between Otani and, and Trout that was uh, that was that was at the peak of it, right? Um, you know, essentially uh, the two best players in in the world going against each other, and luckily for them, they're on the same team. So hopefully, they can make the playoffs at some point. <laughs> <laughs> think and all that talk, you know, this is Otani's walk here. He's yeah. a free agent yeah. after this year, and I think Trout just signed up. A long-term contract. When's your next uh, baseball game? Uh, so we play tonight against Robert. Robert, you mentioned uh, that. I'm uh, sorry. Against Robert Stell uh, at six, six o'clock on the hill, and we've got uh, we go to Robert Stell tomorrow for the for the doubleheader at twelve, starting at twelve o'clock. And Barkley softball. Uh, softball. We travel to Satsuma Wednesday and play at five thirty. And next week's I, I spring break, right? Yeah, spring Do you break. play much during spring break? Uh, the softball team is not playing much during spring break. Again, I do believe that, you know, unfortunately with uh, me coming in late and, you know, our situation with our coaching staff, is, um, the schedule just didn't allow for that. But uh, we do have practice planned, and uh, we're going to work out the kinks and be ready to come back after spring break. Yeah, so we're, we're actually hosting a, hosting a tournament uh, next week uh, part, as part of the Gulf Coast Classic. So uh, we've got games and teams coming in on Monday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Um, and so, again, I think with what the state allows us to do, they allow us to play as many games as we want to over spring break. That doesn't count against our 28 allotted games. So um, so we do. We do try to try to play as many games as we can over spring break. So uh, your plate gets full at, uh, when, when you host because there, there's a lot more than just uh, – uh, oh, coaching yeah. that goes on, oh, yeah. right? I'm the I'm the DJ. I am the I'm the I'm the burger the burger flipper. I am. Are you the groundskeeper? <laughs> the groundskeeper. You take the uh, rake out there. Or, oh yeah. Are the bases still the same, or are they gone the major league way of the no, bases? No, they're still the same. I, I, now that is, I think one one uh, one aspect that I think could trickle down uh, trickle down as as we kind of go along here. Bigger bases. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, we appreciate you guys coming by. Uh, always uh, appreciate it. And uh, congratulations on all the early success. Wish you the best of luck moving forward. Appreciate right, it. Thank, thank you guys you. for having thank us. Thank you for having us. Bye-bye. All right. So what we're going to do here is uh, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little uh, football. Chase Smith is going to join us. In hour number three, we'll do our Miller Lite Golf Report. Ryan Fowler from uh, Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa is set to join us to talk Alabama Pro Day as well. It's our Dr. Christopher Mullinex. Championship Drive. Mark and Lee and Air Sports One were on the campus of Spanish Fort. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station WNSP. I'm Laura Rutledge with ESPN. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Keep it right here for the best sports information in Mobile. Here's Hauser. Gives it up. Clock ticks. Ball. Finding Walker. Walker already stripped by Noel. Ball is loose. Noel comes out of the path. Noel dribbles and he lays it in. Count the basket and Kansas State wins it. It's 7.48. Welcome back in. We're wrapping up hour number two on this Friday edition. Thanks for hanging with us. Our Dr. Christopher Molinex championship drive, Mark and Lee. We're in Air Sports 1. We're on the campus of Spanish Ford High School. He's back. Chase Smith, athletic director and football coach. And a discussion we had before the show was whether to participate in spring 
football or to take advantage of the other rule, which gives you an earlier start to fall football. Mm -hmm. You decided to go fall football. Why? Yeah, when it, well, when it first came out, my first thought was, I think we mentioned it here earlier, is like, man, that does that make for a longer season? Uh, and, and that was my first take on it. And, and then and then spring football is great for evaluation and, and, and getting in there and, and, and trying kids at different positions and things like that. But uh, after last year, I just felt like, you know, we missed some practices due to rain and weather. So it just gives you that buffer for extra practices. It gives you basically you start a week early in August and you're going to get an extra scrimmage and then we'll have a jamboree game before our first game versus Fairhope with uh, St. Paul's. So just that extra opportunity to get under the lights, play somebody uh, that's in a different color jersey than you are and uh, work out all the kinks. And so, you know, it's a, it's an old adage, you know, you get better from week one to week two. I'm hoping to, you know, expedite that with an extra week. I'm assuming, and I don't know this for a fact, that when you were at Robertsdale or Orange Beach, you did mm -hmm. it the other way? Yeah, I've always had a spring. This is the first time I've foregone a spring, and, and I didn't do it last year because obviously I was brand new. I wanted to see. I wanted to see uh, the physicality and see the different personnel and evaluate that way, but, uh, you know, I know these kids now, and, and we're still evaluating, so so the thing is, is, is if we weren't allowed to do what the state allows us to do in the spring and the summer, I don't think I could do it, but Right now, we're we're going through, and this is something I always wanted to do. So every single kid on my roster play plays, and we take them through defensive fundamentals. Everybody. So if you're playing quarterback, you're going to learn how to tackle the proper way. You're going to learn pursuit drill. You're going to learn some type of skill set on defensive side of the ball, and then flip it. Everybody's going to learn some type of skill set on the offensive side of the ball, and that allows us just to take our time and really evaluate the personnel and see what they can do you know does this kid have the hips to play corner here you know i mean just because he's an athlete doesn't mean he has a skill set to play yeah. that certain position so uh you know that's another pro to it so uh and then in the summer i mean as y'all know we get a lot of competition times we get a lot of you know a lot more practice and you know i know when i played it was go run your 110 110s yeah. and lift and go home but right. uh so you know i'm not i'm not concerned about it uh, you know the reason i did i think it's best for our program and looking forward to it you know one of the things that we talked about too i think one of the advantages because i always questioned like you talked about mm -hmm. adding another week to the season but i thought you brought up a great point as we sit here and highlight spring sports not having a spring practice also opens up the opportunity for your football guys to compete in mm -hmm. other sports without feeling like they have to have an allegiance to one or the other. Right, and, and, and that's something that I, that I realized, too, that's really good is we've got more, like you said, we've got more football players now that have come out for track, yeah. which is great, and other sports. We've got some, we've got some guys that uh, play soccer and some guys that play baseball, so they don't feel like they're missing out on an opportunity, depth chart opportunity or an opportunity to uh, try out for a different position. Uh, so that really helps with our multi-sport situation and other, and, and other sports as well. Chase used to be associated with the South Alabama program for a number of years, mm -hmm. and then you went to Robertsdale Orange Beach. How was it like after your first year? You came to Spanish Fort where, well, the expectations to winning are mm -hmm. quite high. Oh, yeah. You know, they're very intense here. Yeah. Uh, what was that like for you your first year? Uh, well, I mean, it's just real familiar for me. I mean, I was here when it, when it first started. I mean, you know, so I like to think that we were part of building that foundation of, you know, the expectation is not just winning, but the, the, the way of winning, you know, the, the way we play the game, the effort, the blue-collar mentality, uh, the standard of how we carry ourselves here at a high-level competition. 
uh, on the field, on the court, and in the classroom, and that hasn't changed. So it, it obviously wasn't a shock to me, something or something I had to get used to. I mean, I've been here and lived here 15 years, so I know the expectation, I know the culture, and I was able to be a part of building that culture. So, uh, but it's a great thing to have. I mean, you know, it helps you to do the things that you want to do as a coach, and you don't have to. You know, one thing that I was talking to a guy the other day, and he he had a great question. He said. All right, Robert Stell and Orange Beach, what's the difference? Because I built a program that didn't exist, and I took over a program that was kind of down, you know, a build-back-up a build back up program, right? So, and, and it's, you know, I was able to experience both, and both are difficult. One is demolishing a house and starting over, and one is getting the blueprint and framing it and starting from scratch. And then you come in here, and the foundation's there. You don't have to demolish. So you're, you're, you're remodeling your way and things like that. So it's a different approach, but it's, it's also its challenge in a different way of getting the things that you see and the vision and the culture that you want. Uh, but it is definitely refreshing to have that foundation and not talking bad about anything or not talking about sure. uh, building something from scratch because that was an awesome experience for me as a coach as well, but just a different feel there. So it's kind of unusual in my career I've been able to – take over programs that need to be built back up, build it from nothing, and now taking a program that has a good culture, has a good foundation, has a tradition, and building on to that because you can't you can't crawl for you know, you can't walk before you crawl, you know, so uh, it's definitely a good feeling to be at a place that we're 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 going full tilt. You know, one of the things I, I like to ask guys, especially as they get into um, get through that first year, how different how different is 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 this upcoming year as far as being able to install like were you yeah. able to like it it, it all the stops yeah. i'm assuming you can't install everything you want that first season right you've got to kind of lay that base but i guess as you build and as you go further into that program you can start installing more and more yeah. where are you in that kind of process yeah that, that's a good question I, I think when you get here and you hit and you, your feet hit the ground running i'm a big checklist guy you know so when i got here so this is my first opportunity to start a full off-season program yeah. the way that i want to do it and uh you know you come and you have a big huge checklist right but that checklist may be i want to paint the weight you know things i did i painted the weight room got graphics little things like that well now that's set so now you know there's only so many hours in a day right so so you've got a 20 you know 20 item checklist or whatever well now those 20 items is not the things that you have said it's the new things that you can move to like you right. said is now i'm not worried about now my the kids know who i am i'm not building that relationship and introducing myself and to my standard no let's start this over because i'm never gonna i'm always gonna start back to scratch if it's not the way that needs to be done we're not we're not gonna keep going forward till we get it right so now we're at a point where we understand the standard the culture uh, we've got those things in place. We've got different things that I wanted to achieve last year. So now we can move forward, and I don't have to go back to those things. So it's it's definitely a progression. Uh, and then getting coaches as a year, you know, everybody knows each other, not just the players but the coaches, you know. And so uh, there's a marriage there that has to happen with the staff uh, that we're a year vested in now too. So it's just a chance to, to get things done faster than you were doing a year ago. And then, of course, you know, you ran the reverse last year. Now you can put in the double reverse. There you go, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Chase Smith is the uh, Spanish fourth uh, football coach in AD. He, For those that didn't see, he just rolled his eyes at me, by the way. <laughs> and he's not the first. Yeah. So let me uh, ask you about uh, 
some of the players coming back that are maybe being looked at by college campuses? Yeah. Uh, who's on that list? Yeah, we've got, uh, you know, one thing that I really try to focus on is trying to find a way to uh, give the kids, you know, the hard work they're doing, things like that, you know, the exposure there and, and really get the exposure for our kids. And, uh, you know, one guy that's really come along, been a good leader for us, uh, is Cole McConathy. He's he's picked up a lot of traction uh, with some offers and things like that. Defensive end, senior for us. Uh, Drew Williamson is a kid that that we have here. That's a quarterback, athlete type uh, personnel body. He's going to be a senior uh, next year. Markel Kyers coming back uh, corner. Did a good job for us last year. Gray Freeman is a guy that started last year. He's going to be a junior. Really putting up some big time numbers uh, in the weight room at D line position. Sawyer Wilson's a uh, sophomore last year. Did a really good job for us at running back. Put up some really good numbers. He's back. Uh, really helped leading this offseason group. Uh, Gabe Myers is a, is a kid that's come along at wide receiver. Uh, I think he got MVP uh, last week at the Rivals deal. He's a uh, and he's a kid that has come on, and he is a track. He's a track guy. He's putting mm -hmm. up some big numbers at track, and that's really helped him with his speed and his combine work at Rivals. So there you go. There's something to benefit that multi-sport. Uh, Bree Blackman and Blake Smith are offensive linemen coming back that, that are doing really well right now. Javante Walton is a safety for us. Uh, uh, senior safety coming on there. And Nemo Hickson and Newton Gardner are two guys playing baseball right now, uh, doing really well in baseball, two guys that we're expecting to do big things for us next year. Uh, Bishop Burkhalter is a younger guy that's coming along that's going to be a good player for us at linebacker. So, uh, And all these kids, you know, we, we, when we've got a lot of kids that are working really hard, but all these kids are what I call recruitable. You know, we talk about the, the, the changing culture of college football and recruiting has changed even since I was at South, you know, with the transfer portal and NIL and, and things like that. Their, their, their process is totally different now. But we focus on what we can control by being recruitable is the type of person you are, the grades, the GPA, those type things uh, to be recruitable at the next level. Are your, some of your players overlooked because of the portal now uh, that you feel should have been going on to play college ball? I think that's something that we're going to have to, to deal with at the high school level because I think, you, you know, if you're a numbers guy, it's simple. We've got 133 D1 colleges, right? Well, of those 133, they get 85 scholarships. That's it, right? Well, typically, most guys I talk to are still abiding by the 20, you know, they're trying to be about 25 a senior, you know, signing class. Well, it used to be you might have a couple of JUCO guys, and you want to build it on high school. Well, now with the, the tra uh, transfer portal, you, really half of those opportunities have really kind of gone to those transfer transfer kids. So there's yeah. half the scholarships available is how, how you can look at it. So We appreciate you coming by, man. Always yeah. good to see you. Yeah, you look so stress-free, man. No man, spring, yeah. no nothing. Just living, living I'm you, I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> hey, have you seen his boy play basketball? Yes. He's a player, man. He's a hustler, man. I was Thank impressed. Look, John Stockton looking. He, man, he's a hustler, man. He just didn't have a Carl Malone to feed off to. Oh, they had some, Otherwise, man, they did okay this we year. Did all right. we yeah, did we all did all right. right. I, man, he did a good job. Thank you, man. I appreciate yeah. it. It was fun. All right, hour number three is coming up. Uh, we got a special alum of Spanish Fort set to join us. Uh, Ryan Fowler of Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa set to join us as well. It's the opening kickoff. Dr. Chris Ramonek's championship drive. Stay with us. is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. 
the opening kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. Indeed, here we are on this Friday edition, the uh, Dr. Christopher Mullinex Championship Drive. Mark and Lee and even Matt McCoy in the house. The house is Air Sports 1. We're on the campus of Spanish Fort High School. Some of the headlines before we get to our next guest, uh, Kansas State advances to the Elite Eight along with Connecticut, FAU, and they've got the most wins in college basketball, believe it or not, at 34, and also Gonzaga. The SEC is down to one school with a chance to win it all. That's Alabama. They play this afternoon at 5.30 against San Diego State in Louisville. We'll have coverage of that game getting underway at 4.30 on WNSP. Usually when we go out on these championship drives, we like to spend some time with an alumnus of the school who's involved in sports. Very pleased to be joined now by Thomas Johnston. I think everybody's familiar with the Johnston name here at Spanish Ford. Tyler, the quarterback, had that incredible career here. Thomas also uh, played uh, football with his brother, went on to a career at UAB, and he's on the line with us right now. Thomas, welcome to the uh, championship drive at Spanish Ford. Good morning. How are you? you today good morning thank y'all for having me thank you okay so you are now coaching uh with our good friend brent dearman at north alabama how did that happen man i got i got offered a great opportunity uh out of the blue um we won state championship wednesday night when i was at thompson and friday night i get a call asking if i'd be interested in that man i, I got super excited and we just, our ties, I guess, crossed when he was at Viger in D.C. Lane. So he knew who I was from there. And uh, people in the community knew who I was. I was a big name. And, man, he offered me the opportunity, and I jumped on it. What what position do they have you coaching? Defensive line. Did, did, you, did I hear correctly you said you were at Thompson High? I was at Thompson last year. Just for a year as a street coach, and I helped out with the linebackers, defensive line. So you were working with former Spanish Fort coach Mark Freeman. Can you give us a little insight as to that program? They're, like, unbelievable. Every year they're competing for a state championship. Man, when they, uh, they use the same outwork more consistently, and uh, they, they put the work behind it. Every single one of those kids expect to be at the same time spend every year. And that starts in January when they hit the weight room. They go in there strong. They, they go in there ready to work, knowing that they don't want to be that team that doesn't make it. So they're, they're just, man, they, they have the mindset that we had at Spanish Fort while I was there, that whenever you step on the field, you're going to win the ball game. No matter who it is, no matter the competition you're going against, they expect to win every single ball game. Thomas, I've never been to their campus, but I hear their facilities are second to none, maybe comparable to maybe some college campuses. Because you need you need to make the trip. It's worth the trip. You'd be blown away. My first my first time getting to see the new facilities, the new school, and it looked it looked like a really really nice junior college. So uh, let me ask you, what's your brother Tyler doing now? He is getting into healthcare. Uh, Sales, medical sales. He's in Nashville now. He's uh, currently taking, I guess, the training course, and he's flying back and forth from Nashville to Charlotte to California for the next nine weeks, and he's killing it so far. 
we are at Spanish Fort, of course, as we've been talking about. Give me a, a, a thought or two about your career here, highlights in your career when you were playing for the Toros. And uh, growing up in Spanish Fort is what built me, and a lot of my friends would agree that uh, the work we put in, man, it, it, it made everything worth it. We, we thought days where we were carrying weights at the stadium were overboard, but when it got time to compete for that playoff run, uh, we knew we did what it took, and we took the work in to go out there and beat anybody that we lined up against. And the state championships, man, they added up. We ended up getting three in our time there, and, uh, and I wouldn't take back anything. I tell all my kids, man, especially when I was at Thompson, there's nothing like high school football. You only get four, some five years to go out there and play with your family, people in the fans, you know every single person up there, and it means more. I, if I had to pick playing high school football or college football, it would have been high school football every single day. That's what I was going to get to the next question. Give me the how you felt like on the Friday night playing a game on the hill, maybe against Sarah Land or uh, maybe against Daphne, versus playing for UAB on a Saturday or Friday. Uh, like I said, man, everybody in the stands was family when you're in high school, and uh, when you made that play, everybody knew who you were. Everybody was going to come up to you after the game and say, "Man, that was awesome." Uh, you got to celebrate with family afterwards. And in college, I mean, it's different. You got your family, your brotherhood that you build. And at the end of the day, that's really all you have. You know, you don't you don't have those thousands of people in the stands that truly know who you are as a person and are out there looking out for you, I guess. But in high school, you just you have that family tie with everybody up there. We're talking with Thomas Johnston, uh, the former Spanish Fort uh, defensive standout, also played at UAB now on Brent Dearman's staff at UNA. I believe there's a, a few other uh, coaches, maybe one or two from this area that are that are on that staff, if you could fill us in. Yeah, you got Deshaun Davis, who was a two-time All-American at Auburn, graduated from Tiger. Everybody knows who he is back home. Um, and then Jake Bentley spent a year as, as a quarterback for South Alabama. And so we have we have multiple ties back home, and uh, we work we're back there all the time, every chance we get. Thomas, I can't thank you enough. Uh, give our best to Brent Deerman. We'll be having him on, I'm sure, sooner than later. I always enjoy having him on, and I wish for you and the program much success this coming season. Thank you for taking time to join us. Yes, sir. I appreciate y'all. That's Thomas Johnston, a well-known name here in the uh, Spanish Ford area, as his brother Tyler had that incredible run as a quarterback uh, here in high school uh, when Mark Freeman was here. And then, of course, uh, Ben Blackman uh, took over Mark and great, great success during those years, as they're still doing now, I might add. Later on in this, you got John Ricchetti. He's going to talk some golf. We haven't really gotten to that uh, match play. I'll let Johnny handle that in a few minutes. Yep, uh, and then, of course, we'll talk to uh, Ryan Fowler. He was at Pro Day uh, in Tuscaloosa with uh, Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. And uh, are you a little surprised that the we, – we talked uh, a lot about yesterday's game and kind of talked a little bit about Alabama. Are you, are you surprised that the number one overall seed is playing early? 
You know, I thought that would be I, more of a prime time. Let me say game. this. Yeah, I'm I'm happy it's early. Number one, yeah, well, I, I, you I didn't have a say come. in that matter, yeah. but. I, I was trying to figure out why, because, you know, they look, they have a thing for ratings, obviously, and then they get to the nighttime, and I didn't know if Alabama versus San Diego State would be, let's say, in their minds, a, a better, higher-ranked game than maybe Princeton-Creighton. I, I don't know what they were angling for. It wasn't like you had, like, one of the, the Blue Bloods, you know, hanging there, like Kentucky or Kansas or something like that. Uh, and even yesterday, Mark, I with Kansas I, and Kansas State and Michigan getting the early game over FAU, which yeah. is not a name at all in basketball, and Tennessee. So I just, I, just I, I am surprised a little bit, but I'm happy. Yeah, I just thought at the very least, though, maybe even if it's not the prime time spot, that the number one overall seed in the tournament would be on CBS as opposed to TBS. TBS. Yeah, that's so, a good point. I, you know. Maybe the time doesn't bother me as much as where what channel they sent them to. Not that it matters to me. I get both and I'll watch both. It just it just seemed like an odd programming note to put the number one overall seed. Now, granted, it's not the sexiest of lineups of, of the four. It's not the sexiest team names. I mean, because they are playing San Diego State. Um, I think Princeton always has that kind of, and even Creighton has that 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 March Madness kind of allure to it, right? Um, and then Texas Xavier is probably going to be. I mean, it's a two versus three, so I, I, I get that one. But I don't know, man. I, I might have put. A, I might have moved Alabama to CBS and maybe moved them a little bit later. But that could just be uh, coming from a radio host in the state of Alabama. And, and I, yeah, I, I never really gave it much thought. I was just happy it was the early game. I thought it would be a CBS game, but they put it on TBS. But I don't think that. I, I don't know the difference as far as who gets what. But you would think the overall number one seed would get a better vantage point for TV audience. But maybe they feel that uh, that the games they have going are going to generate more ratings. I don't know. Uh, I would have thought Connecticut, Arkansas. See, that's how wrong I can be, too. I thought that would be a terrific game, and that wound up being a dud. And, you know, FAU and Tennessee wound up being kind of a dud as far as action and, you know, intensity and offensive play. So you just never know. But. I, I got to believe that these people who are making the decisions have some insight that we don't have. All right, Alabama is a seven and a half point favorite. That's the latest uh, I saw. I'll, I'll double check that. They're a seven and a half point favorite. That's a lot. I think it's double digit win. That's a lot, Mark, for a game of this magnitude. Because when I was listening to yesterday, they were giving odds on the games yesterday. They were all like one, two, three points, something like that. I didn't hear any that were as much as seven and a half. Well, maybe that's why they also got sent to the the five thirty TBS spot. But I just I, I I think it's a double digit win. Now watch, someone will hit some random like three pointer at the buzzer and they'll win by seven or something. And everybody will go nuts, but. I don't know. Uh, do, you, do you guys feel like this is going to be a competitive game? I, I just I don't I don't really see it. Well, there's nothing with San Diego State to make me believe it will be. And again, that's my own ignorance of the program. I'm not trying to put them down or anything like that. I mean, obviously they've had success. They've had success in the Mountain West, which has not had success as a conference in the NCAA tournament games lately. All right. Well, we'll. Uh... We'll take your calls a little bit later, but uh, you guys can certainly get us in the app at WNSP.com. Let's get you scoreboard traffic and weather. Uh, John Rochetti is next, and then we talk Tide Pro Day with Ryan Fowler at 8.30. We might even throw him a, a basketball question or two. Uh, so stay with us. We're on the campus of Spanish Ford High School. It's our championship drive edition. 
right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Hi, this is Blake Stein, former Spring Hill Badger and Kansas City Royal, and you're listening to WNSP Sports Radio. Welcome back in. It's our Dr. Chris Ramonix Championship Drive. Mark and Lee, we're in Air Sports 1 on the campus of Spanish Ford High School. So uh, golf these days, uh, they've taken a break from the traditional way of playing, your four-day and leaders and so forth, to match play where you're going one against one. Rory McIlroy, I understand, had a pretty good day yesterday, but the guy who knows more about this is John Ricchetti with the Miller Life Golf Report. Johnny, good morning. Good morning. Uh, good morning, guys, on a uh, hopefully a gorgeous day today, and hopefully uh, the weather cooperates a little bit and some folks can get out there and play some golf uh, sometime this weekend. Uh, now, as you mentioned, the, the WGC Dell Technologies Match Play Championship at Austin Country Club in Austin, Texas, underway is today is the final, uh, you know, the round-robin format where they got 16 pods, of four players, everybody plays everybody. The person with the most points obviously get a point for a win, a half or a tie. If there needs to be a playoff, they'll go to a sudden death playoff, and all 16 players uh, will advance to to Saturday's opening round uh, to get finally to to get to determine the final match. So there's a lot to go over. I mean, obviously we don't have time to go over each 16 pod. Like you mentioned, Rory McIlroy at the start of the interview here that uh he yeah he looks really good i mean uh he unleashed with uh, I, I drive on the 18th hole yesterday it was 375 yards he flew it onto the green and uh, rolled it in it was just inside four feet and uh, and that ended up clinching his victory over danny mccarthy which will uh put roy mackler at the top of his bracket and put him in to the top 16 players but there's a lot going on you look at uh, kind of only upsets i see possibly some guys that might not be around in the top 16 is zara torres and Victor Hovland looks like both those guys will be eliminated. Uh, Jordan Spieth needs a little help. He needs a win today, but he's still got a chance to advance. And another one is if Billy Horschel wins today, uh, that will knock John Rahm out of that bracket. So a couple of guys maybe, but other than that, uh, those are pretty much all the guys that will have a chance to uh, make it through the weekend, or some of them that might get eliminated as far as some big names going into the weekend. Also, the PGA Tours in the Dominican Republic, that plays underway as this is the satellite event that goes opposite the World World Golf Championship, and uh, Britain's Matt Wallace is on the golf course. He's at two under par today to get at seven under par, so he is the leader uh, in that event down in the Dominican Republic. So also Light Scratch Tour getting ready tomorrow at Lakewood on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, hopefully the weather cooperates for all of our local players. So uh, a lot going on in the world of golf as we inch closer and closer to the Masters just a few weeks away. Appreciate it, Johnny. Uh, have a great weekend, and we'll check in with you Monday. Do want to thank sponsors for our high school championship drive, which today took us out to the land of the Toro, Spanish Fort, uh, Will Barnes family of McDonald's restaurants, Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm, 
LNS Air Conditioning, Ward International Trucks, Rich's Car Wash, Beef O'Brady's Tillman's Corner, and Gers Markets and Cash Saver. Thanks to all of our sponsors. All right, uh, coming up, we're going to talk some Alabama, specifically uh, football, but we may talk a little basketball too with Ryan Fowler. He's uh, with Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. You guys can get in on the conversation with uh, the app at WNSP.com. You know, I, when I, you brought up a really good point about how they schedule these Sweet 16 games, and I th- I'm pretty sure that they start out on TBS because – on CBS, they don't want to interfere with the national and local news, and that's why they start those games after 6. Now, that would be a good point. Why not have Alabama start after 6 on CBS? Because I would think a CBS game would bring in a bigger audience than maybe a TBS figuring that more people have access to that. I don't know that for a fact, uh, but it's just a guess on my part. So to me, 5.30 or 6.15, either or would have been fine with me because – Obviously, I can stay through the entire game. Uh, by the way, uh, we mentioned it earlier. It bears repeating because I think it's such a great story uh, in the NFL. The uh, NFL sent uh, uh, a memo to all 32 teams. If you're getting a call um, from a guy um, on behalf of Lamar Jackson, don't pick up the phone. In fact, if the caller ID says Ken Francis... Don't pick it up. Don't talk to him. Who picks up the phone anyway these days? Most people don't even answer. Yeah, you think he's texting all these guys like yes. GM saying, well, "Hey, you, you need to you need to talk to me because I'm 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 gonna I'm uh, I'm gonna help my guy." For those who you know don't know, Lamar Jackson is his own a- agent. He does his own negotiating. I can only guess that this guy Francis, perhaps I don't know this for a fact, called a team or two. I don't know if he called and said, I'm representing him. That would lead to the NFL sending out this memorandum. You have to be certified as an agent. He is not, but according to the narrative, he is a business associate of Lamar Jackson. Now, both Jackson and Francis say they, they've put this whole issue aside, said, no, Francis is not representing me. And Francis has come out and said, no, I'm not representing him. We're, that is not the talk that night not take it that way at all got a ton of respect for coach you know i said my opening press conference when i got hired at alabama that he may be the best coach for team sports and modern sports history i mean i when i was a high school coach back in romulus i had a whole section of saving quotes in our practice plan i still have it all right, 8.33, welcome back in. It's the Dr. Chris Ramonix Championship Drive. Mark and Lee, we're in Air Sports 1. Uh, we're on the campus of Spanish Fort. want to thank uh, some sponsors, Barnes Family and McDonald's Restaurants, Greer's Market, and Cash Savers, Beef O'Brady's in Tillman's Quarter. Thanks to Todd Weissong for sponsoring our Student Athletes of the Week. Rich's Car Wash, Ward International Trucks, LNS Air Conditioning, and Green and Phillips Attorneys. 
let's talk to uh, Ryan Fowler. Uh, I had a chance to uh, catch up to him a couple of days ago because I was looking around for somebody who'd be covering Pro Day. Seems like everybody has gone to uh, Louisville these days. And Ryan, uh, who was with uh, 100.9 in Tuscaloosa, uh, attended Pro Day. Ryan, good morning. Uh, Welcome to WNSP, the opening kickoff. How are you today? Hey, it's great. I spent some time down in your area in the last couple of days, and uh, what, a, what a beautiful uh, area. Uh, had some great food, some good seafood, but uh, always love coming on and talking to well, great folks down in Mobile. Ryan, when you and I were talking the other day, I was wondering if any uh, any other media person to be covering, and you said, hey, maybe you can get a one-on-one with Nick Saban. Were you able to do that? Well, uh, no, no, no. And, and, and I guess the... Uh, the backups came out because I, I did see a maybe one uh, local guy as, as far as local. Uh, Chase Goodbread from the Tuscaloosa News was there. I did see him. He was the he's the columnist here. He may be heading to Louisville you know, yesterday after pro day. Uh, all the beat reporters I didn't see any of them uh, there. I think they they all had their uh, primary responsibility. And uh, you know Nick Saban did have a few things to say that you know kind of grabbed me and. Uh, describes Bryce Young as Bryce Young. You know, I didn't learn anything yesterday when I'm watching Bryce Young. I'm sure we'll get into it, but uh, no, it was it was it was actually quite crowded. Crowded. Uh, I was a little bit surprised, to be honest with you. It was uh, a big number of people, and I guess that's what Alabama football does. It still brings it out, regardless of what season we're in. You know what surprised me a little bit was that, uh, and I may be wrong on this, but when I was reading the list of NFL coaches that were there, that Bill Belichick wasn't there. I assume he wasn't because they didn't put his name in there. And usually he always comes to Tuscaloosa because of his so-called friendship with Nick Saban. Yeah, I thought that was a lot, too, because I, uh, uh, as my vision leaves me, I always take the binoculars, and I was looking around uh, just to make sure that I didn't miss him, and, and I didn't see him. So he may have had, I don't know if there was another big pro day where they were maybe a little bit more engaged or they had to go visit, but there was quite a few people. I know Pete Carroll uh, was there. I think there was a ton of GMs, but uh, I think I saw Jim Nagy list that there was 10 head coaches from the, uh, the executive director of the senior ball. He put 10 head coaches. Now, see, they're given a little bit different access. Uh, there's a rope that we have to stay behind, but uh, – you know, people like him and, and some of your upper-level scouts are able to go behind uh, that rope, so they're able to get a little different view. If you've ever covered it, it's really hard to see every single person just because of the amount of people and then how far you're away. Uh, they bring, you know, players over to us. They bring, you know, Nick Saban over to us, but uh, it's kind of hard to see exactly who – uh, in this big room, and you're just kind of scanning the crowd to go, oh, okay, okay, there, there's a guy. So, uh, according to Jim Nagy, there was 10 head coaches. He had a little different perspective than I did. All right, Ryan, let's start out with Nick Samet's comments, and then we'll gravitate to what happened at Pro Day. But his comments, first of all, on Bryce, and then he was asked questions about his comments relative to uh, wrong place, wrong time. He was, and, and I think uh, – I took a different approach. I know that that was a big, you know, wildfire that that started burning on Monday. And and you have to remember, I know Nick Saban uh, doesn't, he he doesn't watch basketball press conferences. I would probably say that Nick Saban is telling the truth there. I don't think he's stretching it. Uh, I think, listen, I bet he's never watched it. Uh, He's so out of touch, you know, no Twitter, no Facebook. 
uh, limited text messages. I think he's I think he's up to one word text now, or maybe he does the like post where on his iPhone he could see it. So when he said what he did, I knew that it was going to gain some momentum. But I I knew that what he was trying to do is he was trying to repeat the same message that he gave his players many times in that five o'clock post-practice press conference, not so much on the Monday noon press conference, but always on the the, the post-practice press conference, we almost get the same message. That's why when he comes in, he's a little bit charged up because he's walking out off the practice field, but he just had, you know, that special message for his team. I bet you I wasn't there, but I bet you that was the same message that he told his team. Uh, Listen, there is no excuse about wrong place, wrong time. You, You cannot be in a situation. So we just got the same message. I don't think Nick Saban was taking any shots. I, I didn't feel that way on Monday night. Uh, yesterday when he was explaining it, uh, he said that there is no uh, nothing to clarify. There, there, you know, I, I didn't mean anything by it. I didn't realize that you know that was such a I guess you know a hot topic here is is the way that I took it. I'm paraphrasing, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was to me it was a non-story for those who cover. Nick Saban daily. I know how people can twist it. Like I said, I knew that it was going to be coming out uh, that Monday, and, and certainly people did. Uh, I didn't take anything from it, uh, and I think he was being sincere yesterday. I don't think he really watches press conferences from basketball. So let's, uh, Ryan Fowler, our guest here on WNSP, thanks for jumping aboard. Let's talk a little bit about what you saw from Bryce Young. All, all, everything seems to indicate he, pl- he, he performed as well as you could expect in those circumstances. I know uh, there were some jokes made about him hitting the netting up there at the top of the facility. I think he had a couple dropped by a receiver, but other than that, uh, a, pretty, a pretty flawless uh, performance, something you would probably expect at this point in his career. No, I, I think that's the point. You know, as I'm sitting there watching, you know, I'm, I'm going, well, this is the Bryce Young. And then I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about how large those shoes are that he's leaving and, and they're going to be empty. You know, who steps in that role? But Bryce Young, to me, has done everything in his power other than being 6'3 to be the number one overall pick. Uh, when you look at the, the skill set, when you look at everything that he does, and, and I did notice, I mean, he was throwing the ball you know, with, with so much velocity. And he looks like, just by looking at him, uh, he looks like he's added some bulk, uh, weight, muscle uh, to, the, to the upper uh, half of his body. I mean, he, he looks like it. And, and I think the, the weight at the NFL Combine, I didn't see an official. They don't send him out as far as the official weights uh, from the NFL from, from yesterday. And I'm not even sure if he got on the scale. He may have just took what he had at the NFL Combine, but he was a little bit over 200, uh, which is you know a little bit heavier than what he played here at Alabama. Probably you know eight to ten, eight to twelve pounds. But you can see it. It's it's an eye test. It's not just hey, right before I go jump on the scale, uh, let me go you know jump in a um, you know a, a bottle of water or two bottles of water, and we'll see if we can add a little bit of weight here. Uh, I, I think. It was truly he's put some work in to get. When I look at Bryce Young, it's just so amazing that he never walked out of here winning a national title. That type of skill set at the quarterback position, and you're not able to to parlay that into winning a national title. As a starter, he won one as a backup, but he did not win one as a starter. Uh, That's something I think Alabama fans 20 years from now are going to look back when they see this guy in the NFL 
and to know that that was what slipped away. You, you, you were not able to take it and win a national title in Tuscaloosa. That's something that's probably going to you know, pick at Alabama fans for years to come. Ryan Fowler, radio talk show host in Tuscaloosa, joining us on this segment. Ryan, anybody else out there that really had an impressive showing? And my other question to that, did Will Anderson work out at all? He did not. He did not. Uh, He did talk with us, and he talked about, you know, he was very happy with the NFL Combine numbers that he put up. And, you know, according to people that we spoke to there, a couple of the the national media guys that follow Pro Day around – uh, you know, the numbers were so uh, off the charts up at Indiana uh, that when there was no need to do anything here. And so he came uh, simply just to support his team. Yeah, I think he did meet with some teams individually, but he wanted to support his teammates. And I thought Nick Saban's comment around him was just eye-opening. Now I'm going to clean it up for radio, uh, but he said he was a throwback competitor. Now, he used a different adjective uh, to, to kind of parlay that into describing him, but he said he had that old-school mentality uh, that everything is important to him, the way that his teammates respect him. He demands leadership, uh, but but he's I, – I mean, if you're listening as a recruit or an incoming player, three years from now you want Nick Saban to say what he did about Bryce Young and Will Anderson. And he, and he also highlighted – Hey, listen, these guys played in a bowl game when they really didn't have to. And, you know, with the, the world of opt-outs that we're having, he said, look, you know, you've got a guy that's, you know, possibly going to go here, here, and here uh, early in the NFL draft. And, and, and they went out and, and sacrificed an opportunity and, or, or could have been, a, you know, an injury or been something that could have been a setback. So that's something that Nick Saban, you know, continues to try to sell the culture here. Uh, but but Will did come over and talk, and, and I, at that point I was gone because I had to get back and do my show that starts at two o'clock. So I was racing uh, from the facility over to the radio station. You know, one a one a couple more minutes here, Ryan Fowler. Uh, I wanted to ask you a couple of quick questions. So I, I did think Nick, after the whole basketball kind of Q and A went went away, I thought his uh, his response to the question about. Bryce Young's height was really clever. Where he said, "You know what? You need you. You don't need to ask me. You need to ask some of the some of the guys that played against him all those years. You, they would they would tell you that his height wasn't an issue." I thought that was uh, again that half comical, half sarcastic side of Saban that sometimes rears his head, but not very often. And it just shows that personality is still there. I I, I thought that was a great response to a question that I'm sure he's gotten a ton of here in the in the pre-draft process. Well, I watched him. Uh, he went with us in the media availability, and then he went to NFL. Uh, NFL was Steve Smith. I'm not sure the other guy, but he, was, he went for NFL Network. He went there. I know he was asked about the height there. Uh, I watched him go over and visit with Todd McShay. I went over and listened to him there. He was asked the height question there about Bryce's height and, and, and all the different things. Then I watched him visit with Jordan Rogers. Uh, yeah. from SEC Network, and then I think he did one other national uh, interview, and all of those basically included, hey, what, what's Bryce's height? What, what's this? Was it? And he kept explaining, hey, this was not a problem here. We were still able to run our offense. He did make the Drew Brees reference. Uh, yeah. But, you know, that's what's keeping Bryce Young from being a slam dunk number one. Uh, we'll see if Carolina is playing – 
you know, possum with us a little bit with a C.J. Stroud. It seems that that's who they like. But, uh, you know, if Bryce Young slips to uh, number two, uh, there's probably a team in Texas that would love to have him. Uh, and then finally, before we let you go, I want to ask you about D.J. Fluker. A lot of images coming out prior to, to Pro Day about this. I mean, he just looked the part. Uh, I'm not a huge fan. We talked about this with Cam Newton. I'm not a huge guy, uh, uh, fan of these guys going back to... Our closing ceremonies at Spanish Fort, the Totoros, Lee Chavani, and Markheim, and the Commandant of Air Sports One, uh, Matt McCoy. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like the, yeah, the Commandant, Commandant, man. So I like that, Lee. You got a big event. We don't. We have not talked much about the Zelia Trail Run, and and it was an event I used to cover. But I understand you're going to be a part of this tomorrow. Yeah, it's the 45th annual Zelia Trail Run, and I, I love the fact that you were telling people more than anything. Just know tomorrow, getting downtown is going to be a crazy because not only do you have that. You also have the downtown KG cookoff going on at 10, but the Azalea Trail kicks off at 8. And I'm actually emceeing the pre-race and then the official kickoff of the race this year. Well, I was wondering because a couple of weeks ago when we were out at St. Paul's and you were doing the 40-yard dash, is this a prelude? Are you actually running, <laughs> no, the, are no, you running the 5K no, tomorrow or the no, 10K? No, if you see me running, something's chasing me, and I think we proved that with the video. Although, I love Mark's comment. I want to get it put on a T-shirt. You were consistently slow from start to finish. There was like no burst there was no that's like it's in my brain now when i'm working out I'm no like, i mean you were even steven i mean yeah consistency wins <laughs> wins the day so you're not in shape not the race but the day you're right. not in sh- I, no. I was telling no mark i was telling matt when i used to cover the azalea trail run so i'd be at the finish line and you'd have like the a Kenyan, how he's like sure right? yeah right and and they wouldn't stop they run past you for about another uh, hundred yards so I, i'm running up to catch up to him and the guy is huffing and puffing so you can't and he's He's not speaking English, and I'm like, why am I doing why this? Why am I covering, right? Why am I covering right. this? Do they still in? Do they still have the form? Yeah, yeah, I, I believe they do. Um, I, I, this would be my first year doing this. Normally, Kane and anybody who follows local racing, you know, Kane uh, is is real big on on the uh, on the the speedway, the local speedway track here. But he's having surgery. He normally does it. Uh, he's also coastal traffic, so he can't do it. So, uh, first of all, shout out and good vibes to uh, to Kane and his family. Hope everything goes well. So. He he gave my name. I, why I don't know? Because obviously, if you look at me, I don't exactly. You don't close, running. Don't, you don't look like a runner. No, not at all. No, not at all. Uh, but then I go right he's short, or because he's no. Long, I, I just both. think because he looks more like a judge. I look more like a offensive or no, defensive he looks like lineman. He, he's like, like you know what he looks like. <laughs> looks like the guy that's got that little truck, the food truck. I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm bringing the the big old things of spring water in to put in something for Matt, people. Matt, I got I I want to find out from Mark. So what's <laughs> Nick Saban's big nemesis now? He said his biggest nemesis in both college and the NFL, Drew Brees. I bet I was thinking that was going to really? be it. I yeah. bet I was going to say that. I don't think he really believes that. I think he was just trying to make the point to the reporters gathered when they kept asking him about the height. That's what kind of Ryan Fowler was alluding to, and that was one of the storylines was. You know, his, so I actually, I went back and looked at some of the uh, the record between Saban and Breeze when Breeze was at Purdue, and Breeze lost to Saban his senior year, but beat him every other time. Now, as a freshman, he only got in sparingly. I think he was like one of three for six yards. But I think his junior year, he threw for like 500 yards and four touchdowns. Like he oh, went, wow. he went off. So. Um, and I don't think they actually played each other 
uh, in the NFL. Like, I don't think they. Yeah, I, I don't know either if they. When now, he was if, at Miami. by nemesis, he means in the NFL, like he was like the guy he co- he wanted yeah. to get and couldn't because his doctor told him he couldn't, you know, couldn't sign him. Maybe, maybe so. But I just thought that was that was interesting. Clearly, it was premeditated as an example to show that Bryce Young and height wouldn't be any an issue. Be, be I an thought issue. maybe he would have said my biggest nemesis was the media. <laughs> Probably would have made for a better story. Right, right. I think we all know that already. That wouldn't be a story. We all know. Uh, All right, so uh, where are we headed next week? Oh, a first time ever, ever, Sims, Mary G. Montgomery. Uh, We have never been there. Uh, It's going to be our first trip out there. And it's a homecoming too. Do you know? Uh, is it though? I mean, for, I heard no, they still have the wanted signs. L- no, listen, Triple G. Nick wants to. He's he wants to drive Air Sports One. Doesn't, doesn't he owe money? he money like for a library Pro- book or something so. like something that? Like there's there's that. a balance on the cafeteria fund. Yeah, and the library. I got it. Yeah. The See, this is where you're wrong. That dude never stepped a foot in a library in his <laughs> in his life. <laughs> I would believe school. that. I would believe that. I'm gonna say he did. You Man. think? Uh, at least once. To hide from, from everybody picking from the, on well, him. Maybe he took maybe. a wrong turn, but I'm going to yeah. guess that <laughs> Nick did take. Turn. I'm going to guess he did step into the library. Maybe it was because he was attracted I, to a girl listen, or something I can't, like that. I don't know. I can't say this because Nick actually gave me a book to read. So, I mean. Chinese? It, no, Chinese it was not. Culture? No, it was not Chinese. It was about uh, video production, like putting videos together. And uh, although when I opened it up, it did say property of mgm library so i don't know if yeah. uh i don't know if that needs to go You're back to the theme park right yeah. no, theme park. no 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 huh? two back february 20 right 12 something or like that 13 or yeah, whatever stuck it was having yeah. to pay for it yeah <laughs> i didn't even think about that nick set me up i knew it ah, so well, today we got at 4 30 we got alabama basketball and if they continue on which we think they will and hope they'll have we'll have that game for you sunday and then after the alabama game stay tuned because on WNSP will carry remaining action for tonight's games. And I'd never ran the Azalea Trail despite pictures or video to the contrary. There was one year where I was working for another radio station and we supposedly were going to run it. And what we did was we took off at the start, we went and ate breakfast at McDonald's and then we waited till people were coming back and then we got in behind them. <laughs> and I've never felt more guilty in my life because as we're coming to the finish line, people are cheering. Ah! It's still eating you alive. Oh, it's, it's, hey, it's, that's it's, great. You right eat there. before you run. That's it's, that's a good right that's there. a good sign. That's a good way to get sick. The the, the guilt is just yeah. on my shoulders. Yeah. Weighing me down. Is that what's weighing you down? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that does it for another edition of uh, the opening kickoff. <laughs> Our thanks to everybody here at uh, Spanish Sport for having us out. Wanna wish you and yours a happy and safe weekend. We're back at it Monday at six AM. Until then, see ya.